What's up, guys? Thanks for listening to the Different Spokes Podcast. My name is Matt Smith. Today's guest is John Vazo. He's a Reading, Pennsylvania native who now resides in Austin, Texas. This episode is pretty crazy. It's a little, little on the longer side, but uh, it's definitely worth every minute. It's a fucking wild ride. Um, thanks again to Vazo for doing this, and uh, yeah, here we go. John Vazo, different spokes. So, like you said, you're 32 years old. Yeah. You're riding more now than ever. Yeah. But uh, how long have you been riding? 11, 10, 11. There was like a loose time, and like I always kind of jumped bikes, but when I really started taking it, like, like really doing it a lot, it was probably when I was in eighth grade, when I got like my seventh or eighth grade got like my first legitimate BMX bike mm. um and I, I just kind of like pulled around like my this dude up the street beat for me had like a half pipe like an eight foot legitimate half pipe and I skateboarded for a little bit and I fucked with it on the skateboard but um and like, a bunch of my friends around like skateboarded but I think my heart was always like wanting to get air mm-hmm. like seriously just like all I wanted to do was like I wanted to find the vehicle I could use to get like airtime. right and recording was just so hard to do that and uh so that's kind of was like the selling factor for me for like going full throttle with BMX yeah and you uh you grew up in Reading right I did uh, I grew in well in Why I'm Missing Why I'm Missing yeah Why I'm Missing which is like Outside of Reading, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift grew up like right up the street from me, like four or five houses up the street. Really? Fun fact, yeah. What? No, it's kind of crazy that like she still goes back there. And uh, but I also have like close friends who are friends. Like, okay, so my friend Ben is married to her best friend. Uh huh. She's married to... He's married to her best friend, yeah. So she, like, flew in to be the maid of honor at the wedding. Jeez. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. I didn't know she was from PA. <clears throat> I know. Fun fact. <laughs> like, early years, though. Early years, like... She went to grade school, I think, at Y Missing, ele- like, elementary. And Y Missing High School. Jeez. How did she even become famous? Just naturally, or was she like a Justin Bieber where she was putting YouTube videos out? I think something like that. I think her parents like pushed her mm-hmm. to be something like clearly she had talent. She probably had an agent that kind of like pushed her through, but like I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, you had a a ramp. As soon as you got into riding, there was a ramp nearby for you to fuck around with. Right. I mean, so I actually had across the street, um, like, these trails that I built, Mm -hmm. and they were, like, I pretty much single-handedly with a few other people, like, built these jumps, which was, like, a set of 
four jumps. Uh, I'm trying to think of some names like Corey Simons. I don't know if you, yeah, Corey Simons. Corey Simons was like one of the people that dug there with me. Um, but it was, it was virtually like an oval track, mm-hmm. and with like three jumps, and I had that right across the street, and then I had eight foot half pipe, like, like literally a hundred feet up the road from me. <laughs> and, uh, so like, that's how I learned how to air out, kind of. Uh, like on this crazy steep eight foot half pipe. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of how I learned a lot of that kind of stuff. Like be- beginning, like I'm talking, uh, I I say airing at, was like, I was at the coping level. Like right. just get right there. And uh, But my, I always just like to be across the street, like front and third jumps. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And, um, one of one of my earliest uh, memories of Reading is uh, Magic Skate Park. I got to ride it exactly one week before they demolished it, and I was like, I was just learning how to turn around on a quarter pipe when I yeah. went there. So it's like, man, I didn't even really even know how much I missed out on. But I think you guys got to ride it a little bit. Uh, yeah, well, that sucks, man. You only got it a weekend before it got like filled in. Yeah, the first my first time there was a week before it got demolished. Because as soon as we went, my dad took us there. As soon as we went, I was like, "Yo, we gotta come back." Yeah. So I mean, Magic was a week. Like there was definitely a transitional. Like I really, for me, like when I really started getting into riding was you know obviously there was the trails, but then I I would go to Robizonia a lot, mm-hmm. like Warnersville. Yeah. And I there was like where all the, the, the local good trails were, right? Uh-huh. And I knew of some people. My friend Appler kind of got me into to like riding. I was obsessed with dirt jumps, like obsessed with them. And Alex was kind of like the first person I saw be smooth and stylish. Alex who? And like Alex Appler. Alex who? And Alex Appler. Oh, okay. He doesn't even. Oh. He he like he stopped like but he was kind of my gateway into riding, mm-hmm. and I just remember like going like I I go and sleep over at his house over the weekends. So yeah, like Alex Epler, I would go and our friend Mark Mikowski had trails like in his backyard, uh-huh. and so like I would my my parents would like drop me off for like the weekend, and I was fucking obsessed. Like I couldn't sleep at night because all I wanted to do was just go and like like just ride his jumps like fucking all day i was obsessed with it like i I wanted to ride more than they wanted to ride and uh and it became to one point when like they they, like they didn't even ride anymore almost but they would build these jumps so when i'd come they built a fucking huge jump and they'd be like well john will just come and jump it and like i would fucking send it you know (laughs) and uh and that was like even if i ate shit like i didn't care like i just I just I come and I jump whatever they built. <laughs> like I, I remember my last memory of it was they like made a jump and like they were just digging it. Like they didn't even have their bikes. They were like, we made this jump, like this new like line here in the in the, in the backyard. Like you should, no one's jumped it yet. <laughs> I was like, all right, well I'm I'm gonna come down. So so like that transitioned me. Like I was always kind of like just always going towards like trail riding dirt jumping or like traditional riding mm-hmm. um, but then 
ninth grade came, I wrote a lot more street and mm. stuff, but I didn't have a license, so Magic Skate Park was still kind of something I had to be driven to. Oh. But I, I definitely ride a lot, wrote a lot more street, like, in those last few years of Magic Skate Park, but I still wrote Magic quite a bit, and I rode there, yeah, a lot. My brother and I both did. Damn. Who were some of the dudes you rode with at, at Magic? Magic was like, yeah, like I'd show up there with a few people, but all I could like remember is people that I first laid eyes on, and like I started like idolizing at such a young age. Like mm-hmm. the most tangible ride for me were obviously Derek Brower mm-hmm. uh, and Zach DeSantis and like Kyla Solfi. Uh, I mean, it, even though both show up there, like I just Derek, Derek and Zach were like easily my biggest influences for a very long time. Mm. They were like reels have got, you know, and like just want to ride like them. I want to look, dress like they did, ride like they did, and like that was that was like my first, you know memories of them was at Magic Skate Park. Uh-huh. I never... Yeah, I, I don't know what happened first, if I saw BMXicans or if you guys came down to Lebanon to visit, but I just... I do right. remember being in Lebanon, a whole mob of people came to town, and uh-huh. everybody was shredding. Like, like we were, you know, just some beginner kids, and then this whole group of, like, uh-huh. semi-good kids, you know what I mean? Like, people that can do shit show up and everyone's just slaying everything and I remember we uh oh maybe maybe you guys came and visited the VA trails that might have been it and then we were because back then when we when we had the VA trails it was a normal day to go dig all day and then like go ride street like during the evening right for whatever reason that was normal and um I remember, like, we were riding home from the trails, and people were asking Derek to do a rail, and that was in front of somebody's house. And I was like, I remember looking over at somebody, he can really do that? And they're like, oh, yeah. They're like, you should see his, his uh, part in BMXicans. You should check that out. And I was like, no way. Wait, I think it wasn't BMXicans. No bikes are Mexicans. No BMXicans allowed? No, it was no bikes are Mexicans. Oh, no bikes for Mexicans. Yeah, it's because someone like spray painted it on the one skate park over at Reading High School. Yeah. Like on like no bikes allowed. So like someone spray painted over Mexicans on it and like, that just became titled video. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> who who made that Derek, video? I mean, Derek was always, like ahead of his time. Yeah. Yeah, he looked real young in that too. Must have been like twelve or thirteen in that in that video. Damn. I had that on DVD too. Who and put it, who, who put it together? Josh Kemp. Kemp. Yeah. Nice. So like during that's like I didn't even know those dudes. I only looked up to them, like they didn't talk to me like magic. Like I was just some fucking little kid like mm-hmm. and especially Josh I mean Derek Brower was like I mean I was like terrified to even talk to him. Yeah. And uh, but like you know, 
during those years, um, when I, like I didn't, you know, they, they knew, I think they knew of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really grow up with them until like Stonecliff years. And be, like Magic got filled in, and then there was like two year like silence gap. Like, no, and you know, this is before social media, so like no one knew what anybody was doing. Mm-hmm. So I assume like I was riding a lot during that time, so I was like, oh man, uh, you know, I, I, I guarantee like all those dudes like don't ride anymore because Magic's not there, and that's kind of what everyone thought of everyone. Really, but kind of everyone was in their own little worlds, riding a lot, right? Yeah. So even at that point, I thought like, man, I, I mean, I've been sitting on my shit, and they're opening this new skate park. I wonder who I'm going to see there. Yeah. And, and you know. So they opened Stonecliff, and it was like, it, I remember like grand opening like week, right? Everyone was going to Stonecliff, like it was just mobbed. But you saw like, I, I remember thinking to myself, I remember seeing like one like one by one, like everybody's coming in, like Zap Sanis, Kylie, all these people that you saw Magic that I hadn't seen in years, have clearly been riding, and uh, but I, I like. <laughs> I'll never forget the day that Derek showed up because it was like like my my fucking mouth was on the floor like <laughs> I just Derek came and just fucking destroyed the place it was the first time I've ever seen anybody air a quarter pipe like six feet you know like fucking mm-hmm. just do everything through the back rails and just leave you know he just <laughs> untucked just smoked yeah, the whole place was, like on the floor yeah like, and I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, Derek went from being, like, this little, like, little kid to just, being, like, on a professional level, like, like that. Mm. Like, that was, that was it to me. I saw that, and it, it changed everything for me. Yeah. Um, but No Bikes or Mexicans, I bought out of Josh Kemp's trunk, like, shortly after that. Like, he sold me the DVD. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. And he said, he goes, yeah, there's like, there's like a, a, a t- 10 minute, like, like teaser for the new, for the new video at the end of it. It's better than the whole entire video. I was like, okay. And it had, like, I remember it had like amazing footage of everybody, like destroying like local spots and mm-hmm. like skate parks, like everything they've been doing for the two years yeah. prior to Stonecliff opening. It was like this, this little Derek, like shut down everything, like doing things that like, you know, you only saw on like props, like Derek was doing for this little teaser. Wow. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> I can huh? Talk about Derek. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk a lot about Derek. I just, he's like easily my most influential bike rider, like as I was growing up. Mm-hmm. At one point, you decided to move to Philly. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, after. Man, you're going through high school. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, high school, obviously, everyone's got to pick something to do, and my art teacher, it's art just because I thought it would be easy. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is an easy route that I could just get by, and I always, I always looked obsessed with art as a kid, like, I always drew a lot and stuff, and so I took art just to, just to have, like, a class I could still goof off in, like, 11th grade, and it went really well, and my art teacher, uh, Miss McCurran was her name, uh, and she said, you know, you have a, a good attention to detail, you should try graphic design. 
And that's like the first I've ever thought of college at all. Like I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. <laughs> and so I pursued it. And, um, you know, a year later I applied and I remember we got like a new art teacher and she was, I was such a fucking goof. I was literally the class clown. Like I was voted class clown my senior year then. <laughs> I was just always a fuck in school. Like I just always goofed off and never the art teacher we had and then the following year was like you're never gonna make it in art school like she literally <laughs> she literally said like you know you're never gonna make it because it's it's too much like you just can't handle the work right mm-hmm. because I just didn't work I just wanted to goof off well I got into college and I, I'd say I got accepted by like Kutztown and Art Institute of Philadelphia and that's where I moved to Philadelphia that's the where I moved to Philadelphia yeah but riding wise too like funny that entire year prior to moving to Philadelphia I rode trails like every day like I went out of my way, way just didn't ride anything else but trails mm-hmm. and I rode every single day so I mean I it, it was just a big culture shock to foot off for a lot of reasons going from a like a small town like why missing and Reading, Pennsylvania to Center City, Philadelphia. Like, yeah. Um, a, A, that. B, I've never been surrounded by BMX the way I was when I moved to Philadelphia. Right. Like, BMX for me was just something I did on my own because I, I mean, like, I had a lot of good friends for BMX, mm-hmm. but I had no one in my high school who rode BMX or even skateboarded. Yo, yeah. Uh, me, I had, it was me and one other friend in my high school, and it was like we were the only people we knew that road. Right. It was crazy. But, like, like imagine, like, the politics of it. Like, I didn't even talk about, like, when I rode BMX, like, that's when BMX happened. When I left, like, when I left riding, like, I didn't talk about it at all. Yeah. Like, it was, then I did. You know, I went out to just do it. And, uh, so, like, I moved to Philadelphia, I moved in with Jesse Madden, Bob Grower, um, Aaron Buckley, <laughs> and it was just BMX politics, I, I could, it was just so much, I couldn't handle it, I remember, mm. um, beyond that aspect, and then, I mean, I went from riding trails every single day to just having... Uh, City Hall, actually, and like Philadelphia street spots. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember, uh, I remember us having sessions at at City Hall. Man, we would, you would get down on it just as much as everybody else. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I was on a street high by any means. Mm-hmm. How long were you, were you in there? Did you? Did you start college a month before me, or maybe a, 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 a semester before me, maybe, or something? I think I did it a semester before you. Okay. That's... Because then you moved in. Yeah. So, what was what was insanely, like, serendipitous and just really kind of crazy to me, maybe they just, they were actually doing this on purpose, was that, like, I just so happened to go to college and just so happened to get put on the same floor as you guys 
and my first time bringing my bike into my dorm room I'm bringing it up the stairs and I walk around the corner and there's a door open and I look in and it's like six bike riders all staring back out at me and I see all these bikes inside there and I just walk past and I think Rob was like I think it was Rob that was just like sup <laughs> it was just that, that was our place it was packed bikes it was just constant bike riding yeah I met there was a handlebar high go ahead go ahead oh I was just gonna say there was a handlebar high gouge out like at like groove the whole perimeter of, of the whole room Yeah, so my first day in Philly, Ganware was already, like, my first day in Philly was also my first day meeting Ganware. Because we all, yeah, we all, uh, so Rob said what's up to me, came back down, was like, hey, we're going to go ride, and I was like, all right, sick. So we went and rode City Hall, and I think Ganware was already there with, like, a yellow bandana and, like, a crazy facial hair. Or no, oh no, maybe it was a sweatband back when he would wear the sweatband all the time. It was a sweatband for sure. <laughs> but um, you know, so Gamer, like that was an interesting. My, my story, like, because I'm the, the the like the reason he ever ended up in that apartment. Mm. I mean, the first day I met Gamer was also the same day he moved in. Oh shit. <laughs> So, I mean, so, okay, like, I, I'll, I'll quick paraphrase, like, a, you know, like, I, at the time, like, I kind of quit bike riding because I couldn't take it anymore. Like, I was a fucking outbasting case, and I was like, I don't even care to ride anymore. Eventually, I got another bike, and Aaron Buckley was like, yeah, we're, we're going to go, I'm going to meet Dave King uh, and my band at FDR, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll come meet you. Like, I always said that, and I never did. Mm-hmm. And that day, I decided to go, and I think Aaron and Dave went to like Home Depot or something, and it was just Dan and I. And I oh, and Aaron was like, "I'm gonna give Dan my subway token. You guys can just both take the subway back together." Um, and Dan virtually came back to me on that way, and came to our apartment and never left for like eight months. <laughs> And do you remember, like, do you remember, like, how shy he was that we had to sneak him in? Oh. Because, like, you weren't allowed in the building because you yeah. needed, a, like, an ID and everything. Yeah. Just so everybody knows, like, we were we were in college, uh, I think it was, like, 2006. Yeah. And this was, you know, real recent after, you know, 9-11. So security was kind of, like, legit in the sense that, like, you had to yeah. scan an ID to even get through. Like, it was... Like, you could sign in a guest, but I don't know if there was, like, a rule to it or what. There was a time limit, I think. So you had, like, three or four days that someone could be a guest. And then what we would do is we would just sign them in under someone else's name. Like, we would just constantly revolve him. Oh, my God, yeah. 
I I remember that because I remember sometimes I had to sign them in. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and then eventually the security guards just knew. Like they were just like, we we know that guy. Like he's allowed up. Like he was getting up on his own. You know. Yeah. But we we clothed him. We literally like he like people realize like, Gamework came in and we, he came with the clothes that were on his back and that was it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. So we gave him clothes. We gave him food. We he was like our our household pet for eight months. <laughs> that that also rode and did bar spins. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it's funny because Gamer was kind of, I mean, the gate, I mean, Gamer knew Van Homan, you know, and mm-hmm. Gamer lived with Van, and even, even for a while, I thought he was fucking me. I thought he was just, like, lying, but it, it like, turned out his, his case held water and I like holy shit like this guy like, used to live with Gam- like Van but Gamer was like he was just this person no one knew his real name for a while <laughs> he was age like such a mystery yeah he was a man of mystery but he was like the savior like I mean Gamer became quickly my best friend mm-hmm. super nice super friendly yeah super courteous yeah um so like Aaron and Jesse move out of the apartments and leaves two spaces over in your guys' room. And I think that's when I moved in, in with with you guys and we all started hanging out a bunch. Yeah, because I think Jesse moved out and you moved in about the like, Dave King's house. Yeah. yeah I think that became like us four. So it was, it was me, it was me, you... Rob and Ganware. Like, Ganware ended up having a bed then. Yeah, for, for a bit. Before we moved into the house, yeah. Yeah, cause, because for a while he was literally on the couch. Yeah. I remember, like, him spray painting, like, bike parts in the living room and shit like that. No, we all did that. I mean, the place always smelled like spray paint, grease. Yeah. Fucking. Looking back, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> we used to r- ride in that place. We used to like set up like a sub box one time. We set up like, a legitimate sub box in that apartment and ride from the hallway in through the door and just like, and then we get complaints and shit. I mean, good God. Yeah. Remember, remember we were like right on Broad Street right there. Yes. I mean, yes. Sleeping in the place was, I mean, I went through the same thing, but I went home when I visited, like, home and, and while I'm visiting. I couldn't sleep because I didn't have, like, the sound of the city, like, yeah. the entire night. You get used to the commotion. Exactly. Yeah. I used to the guy, like, singing karaoke on the corner of Broad and Chestnut. Or the Bucket um, Man. Outside of town. Jesus. I mean, those days were it's yeah. living in that fucking place. I remember the elevator, like, People were trying, it was almost like, um, like trying to land a trick somewhere and filming it, but except it was like, who, who could get a trick in the elevator? And I think somebody did like a bunny hop bar and Gamera was trying like a bunny hop three in the elevator. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Terrible idea thinking about that. <laughs> elevator. That in that building nonetheless, I think it was like almost condemned on its own. Right. Remember when they flooded, the floor flooded and a whole bunch of people got like their shit ruined? That's when I met baby Chris. Remember we, 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 we,
we like slept like on fucking chestnuts being outside of borders. Yeah. People were like on the streets. That was like <laughs> that was so crazy. I think that was like the one of the first times going to Rittenhouse House because you're like, where else are we gonna go? Yep. I, said, I mean, it's crazy though. I mean, to think that college, that college specifically. You know, as as time will go on, like we found out some shit about it, but yeah. I mean, Jesus. I mean, the fact that like we of all any people. I mean, imagine the cost of living at that spot. Probably insane amounts of money. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like rolled into our tuition, our very expensive tuition. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 paying for that for sure. Okay. Yeah. So, the apartment existed. Everybody was riding. We're painting our bikes in the apartment. And uh, then you guys, I think you guys moved out and I stayed in the apartment because I, I didn't have a good enough money situation yet to depart out. Right. You guys got your own place. I mean, I was still doing the school thing. Uh, but when we moved when we moved into 1020 Brandywine, a.k.a., as you all know, the hot house. Okay, that... So the, you went straight from the apartment to the hog house? Right. Okay, cool. That's what I was missing. Yeah. So we went, Rob and I like hunted over one summer and like place to live. We rolled up on that spot and it was like, all right, we're doing it. And Gamer at the time, we told him, we were like, hey man, if you're going to live here, you got to get a fucking job. <laughs> like, we got to start paying. So Gamer got a job at, um, Marathon Grill. Wow. Right. And that was the beginning. And so, but he was dating a girl who lived in South Philadelphia, off of, um, I think Franklin. Mm. And Rob and I, like, the weakest place, Rob and I move in. Gamer's, like, nowhere to be seen for, like, two or three months. Gamer's paying his rent, but he, he's, like, seen in South Philadelphia still. For whatever reason, like, he's like, oh, fine, like, whatever, like, gives us the money. We, at one point, we were like, I guess Gamer's not going to move it. We don't know what was going on. And I, I was, it was like a month, maybe a month or two. Mm-hmm. Where it was just Rob and I. It was, it was pretty nice. And then, and then Gamer moved in, and then that's when the three of us just, the energy in that house just was, a, it was amazing. I mean, that's when it all happened. <laughs> we had the parties, that's when it shit just got off the rails I feel like for a year or two like just it was a blur <laughs> I mean as everyone knows who was at any of those parties if anybody's listening to this that was at any of those parties you know very well how those nights were <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you learned uh, PBR and Lions had in that house yeah yeah for sure I mean we would throw parties we throw keggers like all the time do you remember the backyard that looked like we it, had like four empty kegs that we yeah like back there like empty kegs like all this fucking garbage from parties like just back there all oh god <laughs> yeah uh and then best times. something happens and uh i was living with tyler and ted and something happens where you guys had a spot open and i decided to move in with you guys and that was like during the last like six months, seven months of the hog house or something like that. It was the last, I'd say it was probably the last six months that you moved in. Yeah. And, um, felt like, a, great. I mean, 
Go ahead. No, I mean, those were like, I'm the best. I feel like it was long, longer than six months. It felt a lot longer. It felt like a whole year, but maybe it was just because I was always around. Maybe it was a whole year, dude. It might have been. Were those like union days at least? Like we were going to union a lot? Yeah. That might have been a year. Yeah. <laughs> Just when I graduated, yeah, graduated, and yeah, I mean, I want to say that was maybe it was a year or close to. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we won that video contest when my bike got stolen. Right. (laughs) Uh, You know what's funny is I just showed my girlfriend that. Oh my god. Uh, Because I don't know how we were like getting on the like she something about winning something, and I was like, you know, I. We won a bike for Matt Smith, like, years ago. What are you talking about? And I told her about it, and she's like, get out of here. I, I was like, I never showed you that video. And it's still on Vital B Max. Yeah. It's... So I, I just looked it up, like, last week, two weeks ago. And what's funny about that, like, just the whole backstory of that, um, because, first off, we put our submission in late. Yeah, we put it in late. Everyone was mad about that. We, like, put that together in one night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was talking about it the night before, and I was out at a net. So, like, my specific, like, memories of this was I, like, we, um, I was at, like, a networking event after work one day for whatever reason. I had, like, a name tag on and shit, and <laughs> I got back to the house, and Rob had, like, the entire living room, like, lit up, like, all fucking set, like, everything was set up, and I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this, like, what what's going on? And, you know, it was, like, really good, like, we all kind of rolled off each other with it, and it was, it was honestly, like, beautiful. People thought it was fake. Yeah. It wasn't fake at all. <laughs> Yeah, my bike legit got stolen, and my roommates legit made fun of me and made a video out of it in the night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It was like a fucking roast of steak bite. And, <laughs> like, we're all, like, going in. Like, I was already pretty drunk from the event that I was at. So, like, yeah, that was just, like, we knew we were going to win them. That's just crazy because everyone was putting it riding it. Like, everyone assumed that failure was with their best riding and the best riding is gonna win yeah yeah you had kids just but, going in thinking it was gonna do something yeah and we put together something like literally out of I don't even know how many videos we were the only person that did something that wasn't like riding we had very little riding it was all just this like mockumentary yeah um, <laughs> you know and uh so I think that's why we won. Not only did we take it, put it in a daily, we also fucking won it. And everyone hated us for it. Yeah. And then... It was amazing. Just to add a little bit to the to the actual bike. Um, okay, everybody, you guys all went home for Christmas or, or wherever. Everybody just, the house was empty on Christmas Day. And I was waiting yeah. for the bike to be delivered on Christmas Day or... Maybe it got delivered the night before because I remember putting it together and then Christmas morning I went to FDR with the bike and as soon as I aired out I was like, uh-oh. 
and I was like, something something doesn't feel right about this bike. Like it was a nice bike. I'm not I'm not talking shit on it, but I, I went and measured the top tube and it was a nineteen inch top tube bike. What? Yeah. I had no idea about that. Yeah, so like as soon so basically as soon as I got it, I was like, fuck, I need to uh, change this frame out ASAP even though it was a nice frame there was nothing wrong wrong with it it was just too short for me I'm, I'm 6'1 so Tyler I think hooked me up with a, with his 20.75 fit chase D frame so I just swapped all the parts onto that and then I gave that short frame to somebody in Lebanon that needed it yeah hold on it's great let's do it I went okay we've been kind of like going chronologically about your life here, but I wanted to bring up something that you mentioned to me when we were still in the dorms living together. Right. And uh, it might have been, like you said, with like the BMX kind of getting at you or whatever, but I think it was like when the come up was really big or just starting to get real big and all the nibbler shit was like starting to take off. And I forget exactly what you said, but you're like, my kind of riding's not cool anymore is basically what you said to me. And, and you're like bummed and, and I remember in in the back of my head thinking about how I just kind of ride slow or whatever and I was like uh, I was kind of excited that that kind of riding was getting more, more more exposure because it was more along the lines of what I do I ne- but with that said I never wanted to be the let the slow ledge guy that's just all I could do at the time <laughs> you know it was just the first thing that came easy. I'd say mainstream BMX is is still on the techer side of things, but there's also a yeah. lot of a lot of more well-rounded heaters out there too. For sure. Um, I mean, the BMX industry right now is certainly now it's starting to finally like shape or form itself to this whole new kind of stuff. Like there's you know you have contests. Uh, that are, you know, devoted to, like, for instance, you have Vans Pro Cup, mm-hmm. which is devoted not to the trick guys, you know, but it's devoted to the to the bowl flowy guys. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, Feast. How do you say Feast? Yeah, I think, I don't know. Feast. Yeah. Um, and those are kind of more for the guys that are doing all the, the triple tail lifts and things like that. And then you have, you know, the, the street, competition simple sessions almost now purely a street thing mm. um, and then you have you know real BMX street the X Games video contest which does amazing things I think the riders now um, you know because uh, now you're really not going to see like a, a you're not going to see a street rider best in, a, in like an X Games run you're just not so it's, it does shine a good light on BMX lifestyle what it takes to actually something for those riders that aren't out there riding contests mm-hmm. um, but I, I would say that looking back at my comments then I mean a lot of people still feel pretty strongly about this yeah. like, uh, get, like you know is, this nibble stuff is kind of silly I in recent years I've obviously I've taken more like I enjoy it too now um, because my I don't know it's like I still love to go fast and 
I still like to go high and I still like to jump shit, you know, but it's not like my everyday thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, recently I've been enjoying like the more techie stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a lot of fun for me to learn. Um, I don't even know. It's just taking things that I used to do maybe and, and like kind of really devoting time to it. Um, especially the people I ride with now, but looking at my feelings then versus how I feel on the subject now, I, I still do believe a well-rounded rider should be a paid professional rider. Yeah. In most cases. I mean, there's a lot of people getting a paycheck at BX. Uh, I mean, you have a lot of dudes, for instance, who can only ride a bull or can only ride like trails and can't really get out onto the streets very much or do anything else. Um, or you have vice versa, these guys who are kind of ledge dudes who couldn't, who can't even like air a quarter pin a bowl or something like that. Yeah. And, and these guys are, are pros, you know I mean? It's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I think professional BMX riders should really know how to do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dudes who do it all, even do, like Travis Hughes, right? Like Travis is one of my boys and Travis is like, Travis can actually tear the bowl. Like pretty, like he knows what he's doing in a bowl. And mm-hmm. he can do like two set backs and shit. Like he's Travis is a well-rounded rider, and obviously an, an amazingly talented bike rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he deserves what he's getting in B hands down. He deserves more than what he's getting in BMX. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I said that thing about the well-rounded rider, but like, shit, man. Even even in those days when I said that, like I was as well-rounded as I could have been. Like I. I, all I want to do is ride trails or skate parks or you know or shit like that. Like I didn't want to go grind or anything like that or anything. Yeah, so I wasn't being as well. I was pr- pretty hypocritical of me saying that. <laughs> um, you know, now I can kind of it's fun now. Like I can go kind of anywhere and have fun with something. Yeah, I don't need to be like doing a tabletop in the air or something. I don't need to be. You know, I can shit. I mean. Yes, we just cruise like this skate park here that's just like ledges. Mm. And we have a blast. You know? Oh, it's just fun. Like my aspect on that is, you know, like I could ride I'll ride like a one foot ledge. One foot high ledge because I don't know everything there is to do on a one foot high ledge. Like I haven't learned everything. So like there's a lot to do on this for mm-hmm. me. Right. So that's kind of like my new outlook on things. So like I'll I'll spend time like on something a ledge, quarter pipe, any kind of specific area of a skate park even, or a street spot, because I don't know everything there is to do on it. And until I've like every, until I've learned everything there is to do on that obstacle, there's no reason for me to bitch about not having something to ride. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, exactly. Uh, so that's how I look at it now versus then. Mm-hmm. I remember... When we would ride together in Philly, sometimes you'd be pegless, sometimes you'd have pegs. And I remember basically, Fazo doesn't always run pegs, but when he does, he does it good. Like you, it was like you never had him off. It was crazy. It is a, like, I think because, I, really, I don't know. Like, I, pegs were always just, when I did ride them, I was motivated to use them. Mm hmm. things and it would like die out mm. it would be like 
working anymore, and I would just take them off then and get frustrated. And uh, so that's always why, like, they were either on or off. Uh, but more, more than more than not, they were always off. Mm. But I just found yeah. there was more things to do at parks and stuff like that if I rode pegs. Right. Yeah. So you you graduated and then you moved back to Reading. I graduated and I kind of voted around for a bit, mm-hmm. and uh, I like. <laughs> did, I mean, I I dated right towards the end of my Philadelphia phase Mm -hmm. and so I remember the day we moved out of that house I mean I went directly like I I brought my shit to my parents and back in in Reading, Sylvania Mm -hmm. and I just like took all my shit and I stayed in Northwestern Philadelphia like I just you know I brought all my my shit to my parents Mm -hmm. and then I just virtually floated around for a little bit until I decided to just permanently I, you know it's actually funny like I actually I stayed in Reading for a little bit for like probably a, like a summer and then I, I stayed on Gamor's couch the table was kind of turned and I like <laughs> I stayed on Gamor's couch for like a while while I worked Center City still mm-hmm. so I was back in Philadelphia after floating around and like staying in, in Reading for like a summer and then I went back to Philadelphia um, while just trying to figure out what I wanted to do because what I did want to do, always what I wanted to do was move to Austin, Texas. That was like what I want to do with my life mm-hmm. uh, after my first trip there in 2009. And that was always just kind of the end goal for me. Like after that trip in 2009 um, with the last bowl, I like, I was like, okay. I need to make this happen. Um, and it just was kind of like an ongoing journey to just to do that. Mm. But I would say then after like a place I was working for, like they closed shop, which was my friend Julie and Abby's shop called All By Hand in mm. Liberty One. Um, it was like, an, it was an art store and they closed up and that's when I was like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to live in Reading, right? Yeah. And that's, I think, when I began to start riding a lot again. Because you moved back? Because I moved back, and I think riding took a passion, so I, I, I was just trying to go on whatever road trips and things with people that I could at that time. Yeah. Like, I was trying to really not be... This was like 2010, 2011, yeah. So I started riding a lot, and oddly enough, I had like, so I was like, at the time, the last people, which is pretty pretty well known in, in BMX, mm. especially at the time. Uh, I rode, and I was a part of the last people. I rode for them, and I was part of that pretty heavy. Jesse Madman's and thing. I also, right, Josh Kim. And like that, that became like that whole crew of what we were talking about with no bikes or Mexican Mexicans yeah. is now the last people. Right. So it's funny in those years, I, that's when I started finally like really growing close with Derek Brower, which I was insane to me. Like I was riding with Derek Brower every day. Like, um, and I, I mean like I just, after a while I, I realized that I wanted to, 
try and like make writing like a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of wanted to pursue it if I could. Um, I also I got a um, I got like a clothing. This is this is interesting. So I got like a clothing sponsor contract. <laughs> so in 2010, with a company, really weird how it how it happened. Um, but the, like it was like this company who made clothes for like Urban Outfitters. <laughs> Sent me the paperwork. I remember I had like Josh Kemp look at it, and I was like, "Is this legit, man? Are you cool with this? Am I? Am I is, this, is this okay? Like I don't know what this is." And it was like the coolest thing because they virtually like I met up with, like the team manager in like King of Prussia, and they were like, they just plopped this fucking massive box of just all these clothes for me to wear. And it was awesome because they were legitimately awesome. And I still wear, I have like one of the shirts that I still wear to this day. <laughs> like a lot. Like I, it's in my weekly cycle, I still wear it. Um, I wish I had all the rest of the clothes that I got. But I was I was at that time like, I was living in Reading, but I was, I was all trying to not be in Reading. And I was working in a grocery store part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, as my dad said, I was... Like they were just a hotel. Like I would, I would stay. I would get. I partied a lot then too. By the way, I, I would just kind of, come in at three a.m. sleep until two and then just go out riding all day yeah. and uh, for another trip. But those were like the best days. Like especially yeah. like the scene in Reading and the last people at that aspect. It was like just best everyone was out riding every single day we went on trips all the time it was the shit Hell so yeah, yeah for, uh, for a bit I was in mm-hmm. after I took a second trip to Austin Texas mm-hmm. and I that was like the final last people trip actually which is kind of crazy in 2011 okay a sick trip that was it virtually for the last people we didn't know that mm-hmm. you know but we got back from that. So I, on that trip, I, um, like I had brought all my shit because I thought I was just going to stay there. I was like, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to stay there. I have like a hookup with somebody I'm going to live with. And I mean, I was, I was out of hand those days. Like, <laughs> I, so it's a good story. I, so the, the, the morning. Okay. So that trip, right. We had Derek Brower flying and Derek at the time was living in like, Vermont or something snowboarding right mm-hmm. Derek flew in for this trip Ryan Scott's on this trip fucking we have a lot of people traveling in to leave on this road trip for two two weeks or something it was like a pretty long trip and um, during like this so for me I assumed that like I assumed that everyone was partying the night before we were going on this trip I also was under the intention that I was never coming back to Reading <laughs> so up the next 
7 a.m. from Reading. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wake up and it's 9.30 in the morning. Oh my God. Like sun's up. I wake up. I wake up on the couch, dude. I don't know where I'm at. Okay. Wake up on the couch and I'm like, and I'm like, oh shit, what time? And I look at my phone and it's 9.30. I have like, dude, I have 27 missed calls, like 12 oh. voicemails. I couldn't even tell you how many text messages. Okay. All of the, all the text messages are like, like where the fuck are you like Ryan Scott had voicemail and he's he's like Jonathan it's uh it's Ryan and you know it's it's uh 8, 8 a.m all ready to leave we'd love to know where you're at uh please call me back and you could just feel the like like the the, ten, the tension in his voice I was terrified to call Ryan back uh-huh. so I'm going through all my calls and I were like who's the who's the most feasible person I can call right now I call my brother, and I call Adam, and this is amazing. I call him. I go, Adam, what's up? He goes, where are you? I go, uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have no idea. <laughs> and I'm like, outside. I woke up now. I'm like, outside, and I'm like, I seriously have no idea where I'm at. Uh, and he's like, are you in Shillington by any chance? And I said, uh, it looks that, that way. It looks that way. I think I'm in Shillington. He goes, okay, stay outside. I'm going to be pulling up, I think, in a second. Three <laughs> seconds later, my brother pulls up from the house, okay? I get in this car, and all I asked him, I was like, hey, man, can you just stop at Wawa real quick so I can hydrate? Because I was fucking hungry. And we stop at a Wawa, and we kind of, like, build up this. Adam tells me that how he finds out where I'm at is by, my brother does not have a Facebook, okay? He's, he's a fucking... Adam, like, believes that if he's on Facebook or any kind of social media, like, government can find him or some shit. So Adam's Adam's pretty fucking weird. <laughs> and and <laughs> so Adam gets on my Facebook, on my computer from my parents' house, right? He goes through, like, the news feed, and he sees James Lurch, okay? My friend James Lurch. Lurch. Was, like, King Arvazo, okay? As his status. So he gets, so he calls. Wait, James what was his status? It was partying with John Bazo. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, Adam sees this. So he's like, okay, so James was with John last night. We'll figure out, like, I'm going to figure out where John is right now by calling him. So he calls James. James tells him the address of where he was partying last night because I didn't know where I was. And my brother drove me to banks, and I remember my mom was like in tears. They were just so, they, they thought I went missing. Like, I just, dude, I mean, I fucking partied hard that night before that I, you know, I just went completely fucking autopilot that night. Wow. And, you know, like, no one knew where I was at. And, uh, so, they were about to call the police to, like, put in a, a missing report. And, so I fucking, I, I called Ryan Scott and I was like, hey, I'm on my way, I'm so sorry. No one partied last night? They're like, No. <laughs> Everyone got a lot of sleep last night. <laughs> oh my and, god! Uh, so I got there, and everyone was so mad at me. Like I remember, I hadn't seen Derek in like six months, and <laughs> I remember being like, "Derek, dude, what's up?" Like, and Derek like comes over, and he just puts his hands around my neck, <laughs> and he's like, "What the fuck, man?" And I was like, "Dude, I'm sorry." 
So that that instantly, I was always the guy that was picked on on all the trips, but that put me in a worse position then because I remember it rained through like two states, like heading west, and they just put my bike on the rack. And as my punishment was like, my bike was like just being <laughs> rained on for two days. Oh my god! And, uh, so so I left on that trip, and you know. I remember that was like so we were shoot like that was we were shooting for like an, Ryan had made engagements with Ride BMX to do an article on the trip. Mm-hmm. So Ryan there to shoot the photos and that was it. This was like before anyone really shot a lot of video. Mm-hmm. So like trips back then were just like photo trips, you know. So I just remember on that trip, you know, like not I was feeling timid doing a lot of things, mm-hmm. and things just started to, to just. I don't know. I, I mean, it was just something I, I finally realized. Like, you know, I don't think uh, even if I. It's a weird thing. Like, when you become like, if you would ever make money from being it's never going to be enough. Or, or like, when people don't really make a, a very lucrative lifestyle from being a BMX bike rider. Mm-hmm. If anything, my my goal was always just I just wanted to fucking travel. I right. just wanted to fucking go and be on trips and travel. Like, I just make that happen. And at that time, you know, the, the only way in my head, and it, I think in a lot of people's heads those days, was the only way to do that was to be, to, to make some kind of a living in BMX in one way, shape, or form. Make a living in BMX, you said? Um, that was a good, right. was just, that was the only way to like constantly be on trips, to mm-hmm. constantly travel and ride my bike in a bunch of places. Right. And that was the only way I could figure out in my head to make that happen mm-hmm. so I got back from that trip I came back uh, and so you I, I you decided not to stay like so or was that that was this trip right yeah so like that this was 2011 um, Austin Texas like I the, the people that I was going to live with uh, kind of like started they were like we're actually going to be moving out like you can stay here, but it's not going to be with, like, us. And I was like, I don't know about that. Right, it's kind of sketchy. I, I applied to, like, a bunch of jobs, like, grocery store jobs, like Whole Foods and stuff. Yeah. As you guys are familiar with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never heard back from anybody in the time that I needed it to, to hear back from. Right. So I was kind of scared, and, and I only had a bunch of money. I didn't even have a credit card until I was 26 or 27 years old. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, so, like, all the money I had was, like, my bank account money and I didn't have much of it mm-hmm. and I, I just remember thinking like I I think I think I gotta start thinking about life here after this trip because the, I mean I, I was I was 24 or 25 and like it just wasn't gonna work out so I need to go back home and kind of just refigure this whole thing out um, and I got back to Reading and I I still was very serious about moving back to Austin. Like, I just want to move. So I had a realtor even. I had somebody that was, like, trying to look at apartments for me. And, and, oh, shit. And what, what happened was I got back. Everyone stopped. Like, no one, none of my friends were, like, riding much anymore. And it was, it was becoming very hard to be motivated to ride every day again. Like, because mm-hmm. no one really rode. I, I was starting to feel like the minority. Like, John just wants to ride every day. And, like, I felt, like, kind of silly for it. Because, you know, I, in 
you know, you're a product of your environment. Everybody in my in my aim to get real jobs, um, they were, were, you know, getting serious girlfriends, getting houses, apartments, and I'm still fucking living with my parents now, um, you know, with nothing to, not much to say for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, even though, you know, I still think I lived a lot of life in those years, like more than most, you know, by just doing what I was doing with my friends. And, but, so what happened was I got into a relationship with a girl, um, as we all know, um, somebody I was friends with for a long time, I'm, who eventually blossomed into a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I started getting serious about it and I wanted to work. So BMX took a very backseat and I just worked as hard as I could while I was living in Reading. Um, I'll try and like paraphrase these the next like few years of just like working a lot in a grocery store, okay. trying to be a graphic designer for my degree. So you kind of got into a serious relationship and you were working a bunch and you said you were trying, you went to college for graphic design and right. you were working working on a relationship, working a full-time job, and then also trying to get your freelance career going? Right. Okay. Um, because of that, now, I mean, if we, we rewind back to 2009, even when you and I were living together, I worked for a branding agency as a paid intern. Yes, I remember that. Pretty reputable agent. Um, so, yeah. I mean, even then, I was pretty gung-ho on the whole... I just wanted to be a, a graphic designer. The, the, I just that's what I wanted. Um, and then when the economy took a shit, uh, you know, it all went out the window for me. Like I was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna riding's working out. I'm just gonna continue riding as much as I could. Right. And uh, so graphic design took a backseat for quite some time. And and I mean, shit, dude, I was I was rusty. I mean, I didn't do very much graphic design for. You cut out. You said you were rusty. I was super rusty with graphic design. Like I, you know, I didn't know what what I was doing in programs. I mean, it was. I remembered. Like I had muscle memory, but it took a little bit to get that muscle memory back with designing and mm-hmm. working with Illustrator and in design and Photoshop. And so, I mean, so I mean, I, I was. I had not been. I haven't done a thing with design from two thousand nine until 2012 okay mm-hmm. 2012 I decided to start this start this again because I didn't want to be working in a grocery store my entire life yeah um, I was I had a bachelor's degree and I was working in a, in a grocery store you know 40 plus hours a week as a part time like I was I wasn't even getting benefits or anything like that yeah um, and damn I just I just want to become, I just want to catch up, you know, right. like, I was like, man, I didn't even sleep at night sometimes, like, I, like, how am I going to catch up? Yeah, because student loans are coming. Student loans, I mean, there was just this overwhelming, like, just stress uh, that I just, I missed out on, like, four years of being a professional, building up a resume and a portfolio, and I just did nothing. Mm-hmm. So now I gotta, 
you know, make money now and while trying to develop a portfolio and hopefully land a job somewhere in, in all I could at the time was get a job in Reading, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Right? Not a lot of people looking for great, you know, like a good paying design position in, in, in Berks County. There just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And also so, the turnover rate for graphic designers is slow. Like if a, if there's a right. good graphic design job out there, chances are that person's work like going to stay there as long as they can. Exactly. And, and as you know, like, I mean, it's, even if you get a, a job, you're definitely working with somebody that's been with the company for 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to find that opening. It's a one in a million chance, especially in, in the small towns and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, so what I was doing was just doing freelance work, applying the jobs constantly. I was literally working around the clock mm-hmm. as in a grocery store, taking first, second, there, there were times that I was taking shifts at 8.30 in the morning, and then managers were asking if I could work third shift that night, and I would do it. Jesus. Um, because I was just hungry, man. Like, I just, all of a sudden, it's funny, like, at 25, like, my work ethic just, boom, like my father's work ethic just like came into me, you mm-hmm. know, like finally, I, I'm just this hungry motherfucker of a worker and and those those were like rough days man, I mean I was working around the clock and then so first happened was the grocery store that once looked at me as like John Bazo, the slack off, the dude who came in drunk, like half drunk from the night before, fucking, you know, only worked nights and didn't even do any work until like this super good work. I mean, I changed my game around. Like, I became very serious about even my grocery store work. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be the best at whatever I did. Right. And, right. And they offered me like manager position then. So I took it. And as I took the manager position, I hear back from a job that I applied and interviewed for like four months prior for a graphic design position and I get hired for a graphic design position, right? This is with this is with the company in Sinking Spring, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, and this job was, man, this job was the worst and it was the best yeah. for a couple uh, And so I worked there for six months. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is why. So I got this job at a promotional marketing company <laughs> called Last Image. And I will, uh, I'm going to full blast this company right now because, I mean, the man who was my boss was the absolute worst. <laughs> and his name was Rick. <laughs> but so I got hired for this position at very entry level. Like he was, he hired me. He was like, listen, I understand that you've had a serious gap in in your work here. We're going to hire you on. We're going to see what you can do. Okay? So I remember I I go in there, and I was was still very rusty. And I was, you know, terrified. And it was a very high-paced, very hostile work environment. Let's put it that way. Very hostile, you said. The boss was like, oh, yeah. I was humiliated on a day-to-day basis oh. by my boss. Everyone feared their job. They're getting fired or whatever. So I remember this 
sweet ball I worked with Marie who was had been working there for a year or a little over a year which is this place had a very high turnover like people quit mm-hmm. like that the entire office in six months there the entire office changed around people wow. were quitting getting fired it was crazy it was a war zone <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I remember like there were times that like Marie would need me to do something like hey can you make these these edits on this this like whatever thing going on over here and I'd be like okay and and I would be taking a while because I wouldn't know like how to do something stupid like swap out an image and a file in InDesign or something like that like stupid things that I was just like why do I do this again mm-hmm. and I remember her literally coming over to me and being like, <laughs> she was like, you, you did go to school, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, like I, I did. I just, I'm super rusty. I trust me. Like I, once I get the hang up, I'll be good. And eventually like she quit. She quit. I can't do 
this on my own, actually, because of, like, you know, it, it was just a tough position. It was, like, yeah. I did a lot of things in this position, like, more than being a graphic artist. I did laser engraving. I did all the, I, like, knew how to do so much shit in, the, in my, like, four months at the time. Yeah. And I said, yeah, no, he goes, I'll tell you what, like, I'm going to give you, like, a name of an outfit, uh, this agency in Lancaster. And I think they'll they're probably probably gonna take you. And and he's discussing. And I was like, Doug, do you? I was like, do you know how much I'm making? And he goes, No. He goes, I I discussed it with Rick, and he and he said that you were uh, you were affordable or you were cheap. You're a cheap designer, as he said, right? Oh. As Rick said to Doug. And I go, I go, I make twelve bucks an hour. And Doug goes, Doug goes, Oh, you gotta get out of here. <laughs> I go, Doug, do you know what you do? And he goes, Doug, do you know? What, do you, take a guess of what you think I'm making being a cheap designer. He goes, oh, I don't know, like $16, $18 an hour. I go, 12 He goes, I'll oh, get the. He's like, get out of here, dude. He goes, after, after like this one thing that we got to do, like leave. He goes, so what he does is he gives me the contact of this agency he used to do France work for. Uh-huh. And he says, go, go to the, this outfit, okay? Just give him a cold email, show him your work, okay, and tell him you'll work no less than twenty dollars an hour, okay, or twenty five dollars an hour, and they'll hire you on the spot, okay. I said, and okay, uh-huh. I literally give these guys a cold, a cold. I give them like a cold email saying, my name's John Bazo, um, and you know I'm yada yada yada. Show my work, give them my rate. They they call me in for an interview. And they hired me on the spot after I quit. Last really? Um, yeah. But here was so to me, I was like, yes, finally, like I'm making some real people money now. Yeah, real people money. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. I was like, wow, this is it. Like I've worked so hard over these past fucking two years. Like, you know, this is it. Like I'm, I was like almost celebrating. <coughs> yeah. Um, two weeks later. Two weeks later, uh, I they this company had let go of their creative director who hired their other designer, and so like virtually that means like I was completely a nothing then. So it didn't work out then. So oh. I didn't get hired because they they all got let go. So the whole program so, fell like, out. They hired a new like shit so I literally went back to the grocery store I went to back to Renner's warehouse markets damn you know with my my legs dude it was nothing at that point I felt like I was hitting a rock bottom I was on a high like I got out of the grocery store I got a graphic design job you know and let me tell you something about, like Renner's warehouse or a grocery store job in general like yeah. it's like an island you know if you get off that fucking island people are you're like you're it's like the best thing that can happen if you get there's a lot of people that get jobs at grocery stores don't ever leave the grocery store yeah yeah so I managed to escape and then I had to come back to it yeah and it was just the worst feeling because everyone was like oh John John's back oh wow John's back like and I remember just not ever complaining like I remember thinking to myself if I complain about this I'm just going to constantly remind myself of the predicament. All, all I can do 
just work as hard as I can doing what I'm doing and keep trying to do best every single day. And because it's funny, like people were in the grocery store and they were like, I'm better than this. Like I, you know, and they're, they're saying this to me. I'm like, dude, I have a fucking bachelor's degree. So I was saying like, I got myself in this predicament. Right. I can get myself out. I'm in full control. But I'm here in this grocery store right now. And, and so, was that something that you kind of learned or is that, is that something you already knew or is that something that kind of uh, appeared to you as like the adversity came to you? I, I learned it because I realized that everyone, after especially leaving, like I knew I wasn't like typecasted into this role of being a grocery store clerk, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and even though I was, I felt like I was decent at the job I was doing, and I, I did enjoy it to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can do. If you're in a predicament, you can just enjoy and make the most out of the situation. Um, yeah. So I never complained about it uh, because I had full control over myself being there. Mm-hmm. And I had full control of myself getting out of that again. So I remember I came back and like, I came back to the managers and they were stoked to have me back. Stoked. And I was like, hey, just give me all the hours you got. I have, because during this time I moved out, I got my own place in West Reading and um, you know, I was still in a relationship and I just was like, I got I got fucking bills to pay now. I'm like, so I was just like, that's when I started Cinnamon Collective, my my freelance alias. Mm-hmm. So I started doing freelance and I was working around the clock at this grocery store for, let's see, I quit in the summer of 2012 and into, so I mean, probably another six months I was working in a grocery store, going to interviews. I mean, I remember sometimes I was working from, you know, 10 o'clock at night till well, 8 o'clock the next morning and then go to an interview at 9.30 in the morning, you know, and just not even sleeping. Wow. You know, I was just around the clock the entire time. Holy fuck, man. I never knew you went through all this. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, did, it did a lot of taxing things on the relationship I was in, too, just for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I get home finally at midnight sometimes after my shifts, and I would just die. Like, I didn't want to do anything. I just right. wanted to rest. Um, and so, and freelance was a big helper during those days, because... I mean, the, the bonus of that those six months that I spent in that fucking hellhole of a place I was working in mm-hmm. was that it was like a boot camp for me. Right. It rushed me to my... It's like, I had to learn this stuff again or I wasn't going to have a job. Yeah, they kind of so, scared you straight in a way. Bingo. Like, it pushed me to my... Every single day was me working 100% harder than I was working the day before. Yeah. Um, out of just ter- being terrified to be humiliated, being terrified to lose my job, <laughs> being yeah. terrified, you know, for a lot of reasons. Um, so the bonus of that was that I got all my shit back together. So I started freelancing, and freelancing was great because, as you know, like, I would do, you know, you could do a job in, like, a few hours and make, like, months rent sometimes. Like, that would be the biggest, like, if I had, like, two or three jobs a month, 
of like logos or branding or something like that for somebody, yeah, I'd be good. Like I, I'd work in the grocery store to just still stack cash, and you know I would do my the jobs I was doing for freelance, you know, in in the interim of of my shifts during the grocery store. Um, and how are you finding I, the jobs? Still, I was tired. Um, he like, like you know I was putting stuff out there. Um, people would just put out a word, you know, like oh, so it was local freelance. Hey, like right, a lot of local freelance. Cool. Every now and again, it's get something that was like out of state, but like I did a lot of things. Like there was what's that one freelance site that you cannot, uh, you can like grab job off like you virtually bid job jobs. Upwork or Fiverr? Someone, oh my god, I want to say it was Upwork. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it wasn't worth it. I remember that because we're bidding so low. You have here's the thing is like things like that, like Upwork and Fiverr, you have people from like in Vietnam literally in these warehouses that can do jobs super quick for people for like nothing. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to beat out these bids, but you're like, I might as well be distributed in the grocery store because like I'm wasting this time doing a logo job that like I'd get like 30 bucks from mm-hmm. you know like that's not even worth it um so I, I tried everything so towards so 2013 was kind of like the turn of everything I mean I was I was getting tired of working around the clock it was like you know and were you riding at this point too what happened what, what do you mean in like exercising like were you were you still riding BMX at all? Oh, riding. Um, I was riding very few and far between. Like I'm talking, not much. Okay. <laughs> I remember, I remember taking a weekend and we went to Woodward. Mm-hmm. Like it was like the last people, like our little like get together. We went and uh, because we had a lot of people that like worked at Woodward. We're real friends, so we had like hookups to go and ride. So we just took advantage, and like one weekend, we just went to Woodward. And dude, I remember just being so fucking rusty. Like, <laughs> but being okay with it, because like, I was like, oh, this is it. Like I'm 20. It's funny. Like I'm 26 years old. And I'm, this is it. Like I'm just I'm an old guy riding now. I'm yeah. And I'm an old guy riding. You I know? I went through a very similar stage and, where you're kind of like, um, I guess this is when this shit kind of plateaus out. Yeah. Yeah. From now, as our age now. Like, exactly. You know, because now I'm riding way more on another level than I was then. Like, you know, and I'm age 32, but I mean, we'll get to that. But yeah. Yeah, I remember just there being super fucking sore, like going to Woodward and like throwing myself at things, like things that like I was. I remember uh, that was my my 360 curve. Three sixty curse. We were riding. I called it my three sixty curse because I used to be able to do like dip threes like really easily, mm-hmm. like boxes and jumps and stuff, and like and like throw my shoulder into them real good. And, and I remember somebody took a picture of me three in the box at Woodward, and like I was just like all hunched in my fucking in my stem. Uh, and, like like dick riding your your stem. Yeah, but I didn't. I couldn't tell what was 
going on until I saw the picture. Oh. So I remember seeing the picture and I was like, that looks weird. But I still like posted it on Instagram. I was like, I'm, like, I'm still three in boxes. That's cool. Like, <laughs> um, but Devin even told me after that, he was like, yeah, Ryan and I saw like the picture. We're like, we're, we're like, we're watching you do 360s and being like, why is he all hunched on his, in his stem like that? <laughs> and I didn't know yet. Your friends got worried about you. Yeah, they were like, "He's John. John's really not riding anymore." You know, it's very clear that I've riding's taking a back seat. But it was a super fun trip, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I got back, and that was that was during that grind of me working freelancing in the grocery store because I remember I had that apartment in West Reading. That was like the dream of mine was having that that little apartment in West Reading. Um, I was so content. I was like on the avenue. I was exactly where I wanted, I wanted to be. Oh, wow. But I worked super hard. I was like, okay, 2013, like, what else am I going to do with my life here? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I got to pursue something even in like the grocery store business if I want to start making like a living off of something, have a career here. Instead of working so much. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I just made the decision like, okay, if I... I like if I just you know if I just do something with a grocery store or something like that I can do freelance on the side until I get on my feet um so flash forward so now so firstly I'll try and summarize this Pepsi approaches me as a merchandiser okay virtually just like setting up displays and stores etc etc but a good it's like the best paying job in the grocery store business as far as you're you're making like more than like some managers are just being a merchandiser for pepsi Uh and to me i was like yes finally i'm gonna be working like a baboon but like i'll fucking you know i'll be making good money and uh (laughs) and that's all i can ask for at this time because i'm just tired yeah. I'm just tired of working around the clock. Um, so I remember like going out and celebrating with friends, and uh, I'm all stoked of getting a job at Pepsi. I, I interviewed for the job. They, they fucking, I got the job. And during this time, there was like this week, right? The company, Misco Products, uh, a friend of mine who actually uh, – with a marketing director gives me a call up and he's like hey we have an opening for a designer our designer left mm. uh, we think you'd be a good fit for mission do you want to do you want to talk about it do you want to send in like your resume and your portfolio we'll look at it and see we'll go from there and I was like oh, okay so I had already accepted this job so I send my stuff we get it in a lunch interview I remember <laughs> I remember, like, asking, like, this was a salary position. This was the real deal, man. Like, to me, this was, I just, I remember, like, hearing a salary. It was, like, the most money I've ever heard that I'd be making in my entire life. Like, I was like, what? Yeah. And it's the salary. And I just, I remember leaving that interview being like, I need to get this fucking job. Fuck Pepsi. <laughs> I job. I want, you know? Yeah. And, the, and my friend who was the marketing director and I was like 
was like, hey, you know, I'm, I, my first day at, you know, Pepsi is, you know, Friday, and it was Wednesday, and I was like, I mean, like, let me know if you guys hear anything or decide on, a, on anything, and I never heard anything, and I, and Friday came, and I went into Pepsi, and I, I remember going in there with this shit poor attitude, like, fuck this, I didn't, like, I wanted this, but now I don't want this. Right, because you saw something better. Yeah, and I was bummed out about getting the job at Pisco, and because uh, it was everything I wanted, like branding work and all that, and I was like, "Fuck, man!" And I'm, I'm sitting in the conference room. Okay, I'm sitting in the conference room at Pepsi, and for whatever reason, I'm in, in there by myself, and like, <laughs> I get a call, and it's Misco, and I was, and I'm looking around. I'm in the conference room by myself, and I'm like, "Hello." <laughs> and they're like, hey, it's, uh, it's Miss Gilwa. So, sorry for the late response on this, but, you know, uh, we'd like to offer you the position. Uh, do you want to take it? And I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely do. And my friend, who's the marketing director, was like, well, good job. Good luck. He's, he's like, awesome. Like, sounds good. Like, you know, uh, we'll get you set up next week and, you know, we'll, we'll have you start another week or so. Um, he goes, well, uh, good luck with Pepsi. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. I got off the phone and I I left. I handed him the paperwork for the, at the front desk at Pepsi and left. Never went back. Like you um, just straight up quit? Straight up quit on my first day. I, I, I took the, I accepted the job at Misco at Pepsi in the Pepsi conference room and then left. That's hilarious. So <laughs> that was like, best feelings to this day is like one of my finest achievements was getting that job uh, because it 2013 was like this year of just like everything boiled down all the hard work that I did was like finally I got this decent job I'm caught up now yeah and and I you know what's funny is I my work ethic my whole like I still needed to be working around the clock so it was weird for a while I first two months I worked at Disco, I still worked at the grocery store at night. Mm. So I still had two jobs, for whatever reason. Just in case. And one day I was like, no, I mean, just because I was like, I need to be working two jobs. Like, my dad once, you know, in 2012, I was telling my dad, I said, this is something I'll never forget my dad said to me. And he, my dad told me, I came to him, uh-huh. and I said, I'm, I'm like, just making ends meet getting like you know paying my bills paying my rent and I'm working as hard as I can yeah and my dad goes are you working two jobs and I said no he goes then you're not working hard enough <laughs> and that changed everything and that's when I started working two jobs uh-huh. I worked two jobs from 2012 to 2013 um wow and so I was off of my my job alone in Misco I was doing like I, I mean, I didn't need any other income, you mm-hmm. know. I was, but I just still, I didn't know what else. Like I was working a year, working two jobs. I didn't know anything else to do. Like I, I just, I only knew working another job. Like what do I do after work? Mm-hmm. You know, like. So one day I was leaving work, and my buddy Pete was like, "I was like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go. Like I work at the grocery store." And he goes, and he laughs like, "Why are you still working at the grocery store?" And I'm like, 
Damn. <laughs> that was that was the end of two jobs, but I remember a lot of things happened in 2013. Like a lot of shit happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know how to deal with the, the free time, so it became. This is kind of the, the concourse in which I, I should say the Colorado Goose started already. Mm-hmm. As quick as I became. Funny, I always say like success is fleeting. Like mm-hmm. success goes as soon as it comes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thirsty. Next thing, as soon as I gained that next step, one goal. So, right. I gotten out of the relationship I was in in two thousand. Right. Wait. After I started with Nabisco, and you got out of the relationship right after you started Nabisco. Which one was? Yeah, there's a lot out of the second relationship. Okay. I, yeah. I, I went right from two-year relationship straight to another serious relationship. Like I had no time to kind of chill out, and that was my first mistake. Right. And that was also her, her mistake. I mean, when we were this this specific individual and I, like when we were dating, she's in a relationship, and we were going behind her boyfriend at the time's back. Yeah. 
matter where I live or how much money I make or what job I have, or what security I have. It, it didn't, it's funny, none of that mattered in the end scheme of being happy for me. Um, yeah. So I started exploring, you know, maybe I should move. And I set, I set myself a realistic goal in 2014 and like the next two years I would move. You know, but I had to take a realistic approach to this because I, I got myself into this career that I didn't want to lose everything over. Right. Um, so, so anyway, my ex and I got back together after like a six-month separation and I brought up like I want to move to Colorado eventually. And she was like, yeah, I want to move to California. And I was like, well, we'll make ends meet somehow. And, uh, you know, later that year, she eventually shared that same she wanted to move to Colorado as well and it became the greatest thing like we both wanted to move to Colorado and the problem was I I needed time I I didn't have the resources she did to go and move like like that like quit she was a teacher at the time and um and she she eventually left without me she went and did it and left me know to kind of do it on my own but in the in the in the journey of this uh we we had broken up uh under pretty bad terms and uh so she was living in colorado and i i went out to visit her this was this was kind of the turnaround point uh-huh. was you know i was on it i took I, I i went to colorado to see her i remember for her birthday and uh, and I went out there, I flew out there, and she even forgot that I was even flying out there. Oh. Put up in Boulder, Colorado. I didn't even see her. I just texted her. I was, I mean, I was in such a bad spot in my head. I was so dumb, and, and uh, let's put it this way. We just, we never saw each other on that trip. So I felt lost. Like, I, I flew out to Colorado with, with, know the, the intentions of seeing my at the time girlfriend and mm-hmm. it all went to hell and back. um i was a fucking mess when i was out there i mean i didn't jesus i remember my brother calling me and he was like hey man you gotta talk to mom she thinks you're gonna kill yourself like legitimately like not kill yourself but like she thinks you know you're gonna do something stupid mm-hmm. and because everything in that that week like my entire world fell apart. Like mm-hmm. you know, when you're when you're nearing thirty years old, as you know, like you make life plans. And I had this kind of life plan that involved her and it just fell apart. Mm-hmm. So it put me to fucking ground zero point and I was thousands of miles away from everyone I knew. Right. So I was up there by myself. I had some friends out there. So I remember I was staying then with Josh Kemp living in Boulder, the same town that my ex was living in. Uh-huh. And I was like, I can't stay here. I gotta get out of here. So bring in Derek Brower. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Brower and Kyle Solfi are now are living in a town called Littleton, Colorado, an hour south of Boulder. Mm-hmm. And Derek came out to ride with me in Boulder that night. And Derek's like, hey man. He's like, come back to Littleton kick it with us like just kick it with us for the week you know I was like really you, you sure like you know you guys have 
riding at that point too, but I had this bike with me. It was, it was Colorado and it's, you know, BMX Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, um, so I went back to Littleton and, you know, I, I built this relationship with Derek and Kyle. Even, it's funny, so Kyle, Kyle Sophie was somebody I always looked up to, like growing up riding BMX. Mm-hmm. Him and I were like acquainted, we were boys, like we were friends, but we never knew each other that well. And but Derek and I knew each other very well. That's a super crazy story so far, man. This is just yeah. I didn't know this shit went went this this crazy for you. Um, yeah. So <laughs> you're in Colorado, in a town an hour away from where you first started out with Derek, and you guys are starting to get closer. I think is where we left off. Right. Um. So so like I. I much kind of like retreated to to Derek and Kyle's um mm-hmm. I was kind of like a lost like my, not only did like my life kind of just flip upside down in, in that in that one day mm-hmm. but like to my entire trip to Colorado was like well I was supposed to be doing this and now what do I do so did you buy a round trip ticket or did you buy one way round trip okay so I, I had to be back in Pennsylvania like a week later. So I, I stayed there for a week. And, you know, like Derek was like, you can come back. Like, I mean, I, we work, but, you know, like you're more than welcome to stay with us. And, and that's what I did. So, I mean, every morning, I mean, I, you know, I remember that, that fir- the night I drove back, um, I remember Derek and I got like, <laughs> Derek and I got so drunk together, <laughs> like unnecessarily. And, uh, that was like historic drinking night. We still talk about that night, but like him and I just sat in the gar- and like there was a garage at Kyle's, uh, like this separate garage that we always hung out with. It was like the shop. Like we all kept their bikes in there. The workbench was in there. Like so we just sat in there and drank beers and listened to music like all the time. Yeah. And Derek and I just sat in there and just like got super drunk together. And uh, but I remember like just waking up. And this is this was this was the trip where kind of everything turned around for me. This is where I made a decision. This is kind of how I got to where I am today. It, it all stemmed from this trip. So I, again, like I wasn't riding much at the time, but all of a sudden, you know, like things changed and riding started to become, especially on this trip, was like, all right, well, what I'll do is I'm just gonna take. I have a rental car, so I'm just gonna drive around and hit skate bars and drive around and like just find stuff like just hit a skate park on the way to this or like drive through the mountains just by myself like that's what I did every day is I just woke up and I rode I just went and rode skate parks all day and then I'd come back at like five or six and meet up with Kyle and Derek and we'd go do something and uh but um I remember this moment that week I remember I was riding a skate park in Lafayette, Colorado, and I was driving back, and we like, the sun was setting, it was, a, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous day and evening there, and I remember driving back, and I, I remember just having these repeated, like, thoughts in my head of, um, you, you know, like, the normal things that you kind of go through during, like, a heartbreak like that, like, you, I was just kind of, like, distraught, and, like, how can I let myself go through, how can I let this happen, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I remember looking in I remember looking in the, the rearview mirror, okay, and I and it 
it's just I see my bike in the back seat, you know? You know, and I thought yeah. to myself, that bike has never, ever left me and always been there for me when I needed it. Like, always. It didn't care if I neglected it for a year and then I just got back on. You know, like, it didn't. It was just this thing that was always there for me. It was a social, because I, I sought refuge in it now. Yeah. You know, during this time of turmoil for myself. Mm. And, and that's, I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, this is, I'm, I'm, I need to ride more. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to ride more. This is, because it's going to become the medicine that I'm, I'm going to need to get through all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to, you know, and I, I remember, we joked about it that week. Like Kyle was like, "Oh yeah," because like, Derek, Derek was like, "Hey man, like you should, you should ask Kyle if you can move here. That'd be sick." And I was like, "No way, you think so?" Because I was already in the like I had job interviews that week. Mm-hmm. Like I had things I was doing out there because I was trying to move out there because I was going to move in with my ex or try and move out there and you know make it all work. Originally, just, yeah, yeah, You're... And I bailed on all those interviews, man, because like, I was so fucking, you know. Yeah. Distraught over shit, so I just bailed on all of it. I just did what I wanted to do, and I was, and I, I'm glad I did. Uh-huh. But, but that's like, I was like, man, that'd be really cool. Um, you know, we'll see. And then Kyle was like, one night, was like, hey man, yeah man, that'd be that'd be sick, man. Like come out and, you know, we'll, we'll make it work. I don't know how we'll make it work. We'll make it work. And I, so I remember I, I, I was sitting on the airplane. Like by the way, so I have a. I used to have major fear of flying. Oh. Okay. And this was like something I had to conquer to do this shit. Like I was like, if I'm going to do anything with my life, I need to get over this. I've been <laughs> over a lot of years in my life. And flying was one of them. But I remember just like not caring if the plane went down. I remember just having this dark feeling of like, like this fucking plane goes down. So be it. Oh like, my God. <laughs> whatever. And, uh, it was a very specific dark time in my life where I was just like, fuck it. But I remember on that plane ride, like literally writing notes at it, at this notebook, writing notes of what I was going to do on my plane after this and how I'm going to execute it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just decided, I remember when I land in Philadelphia, like my, my, uh, my life's going to change. It has to change. And, so I remember I got back, man, that was just the beginning. I had a rough two year of 2015. Um, 2015 alone, I mean, between that, I lost my grandfather that year, who was mm-hmm. like a, a father to me. And uh, mm-hmm. it was a rough year. And then not only that, so I began, rap- I began to just rapidly go through the process of moving. Whatever, whatever I had to do to bounce on all my tangible object- objects, all liquidate all of my belongings, everything so that I could, I could be virtually slimmed down to a into a, a a small moving like like a like a trailer and a car, mm-hmm. you know. So I had a lot of things at the time, like you know, I I had a, I remember I had <laughs> I had like two cars and a motorcycle, and I I was like, all right, I sold the motorcycle. I I had this little sprue that was my it was my dream that like that's what I was going to drive to Colorado. With. This is what I envisioned in my head. Um, right. I was going to move to Colorado in this Subaru 25R. It was my, like my dream Subaru. It was like an old bear Subaru mm-hmm. and I'm a Subaru dork. And, uh, <laughs> but it was like my dream, but it needed a new engine block in it. So I was like, okay, 
I was dri- I was daily driving this BMW at the time, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna sell the BMW, put a new engine block in the Subaru, and then once I put a new engine in the Subaru, that's gonna be my daily, and then that's what I'm gonna take, and I'm gonna move to Colorado in, you mm-hmm. know. And God, I mean, the heartbreak that happened after this, but on a day to day basis, just because of not only going through all this stuff with you know what happened to me in Colorado, but also like. So what happened was I was just, con- I sold my BMW. I lost a shit ton of money on the BMW as anybody would. And it was an ugly lesson I got by buying like a newer BMW. It was ugly. And uh, wow. I pretty much gave that thing away. Um, <laughs> I lost like $10,000 on that. Damn. Like, I mean, I bought it for a lot of money, but I lost a lot in the scheme of things. And I had to pay it off. I mean, I had to. In order to write a check to get the, the title for the car, right. to sell it privately, I had to write a check for the fucking whole amount of the car, and then <laughs> still lose like six grand on it. It was terrible. And um, but I was like, okay, like, all right, I, I at least got rid of it. So I got fucking just some dude scammed me into this engine. I bought this engine block. He he claimed it was healthy. Claimed it a he, you know I I sink like two grand in its engine the engine fucking kicks it so i had to put another engine into it and you know it was just this continuous heartbreak thing where i just i wouldn't stop because it was just the only means to an end and i was you know i was just every day was just tough and uh i had a good friend of mine chris my friend chris gonzalez who was it was just like the best one of the greatest human beings ever who was like a new friend of mine when I got back from that trip mm-hmm. and he like helped me through so much shit he was my neighbor in West Reading mm-hmm. and he would help me with all my car problems like he'd be up at one in the morning on a Sunday you know in the rain like fucking helping me like get my car fucking so that it could be running again and damn you know it was just rough solid dude totally totally guy was Chris is the best and he'll always no matter what he needs like I'm going to be there for him to this day mm-hmm. and uh, so I set a realistic goal the problem was that I set this goal like I got back from that trip that, that one week I had in Colorado I got back in like September and I was like in December I'm gone like I got to tell my job like I'm out like there's nothing you can do I'm leaving um, and I'm doing it fuck it and I it just wasn't realistic yeah um so I set a realistic goal like June of 2016 that I was going to move. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 2016, New Year comes in and all of a sudden like things finally start. Like I, as I described this time, like it was just kind of like the start of, you know, things were starting to finally like my, I had a very serious conversation with my dad. And he was like, this is what you got to do. You got to sell that fucking, that Subaru. You got to take whatever you get for that thing because it's going to bankrupt you. And so I sold it, took what I could get, put all my money that I had saved to move into a new car, which was able to, to then, by not having all the car issues, et cetera, et cetera, like, I was able to finally, like, save money for my move. Right? Wow. So, you know, the winter passes, and I'm constructing now my plan to, to leave my, my job, my good job that I had, to go and just be happy you know just move to Colorado and, and finally start the beginning of something else and 
remember I had lunch with uh, my friend Pete, my good friend Pete, who was my boss at the time, mm-hmm. still is now, which I'll, we'll get into, but like, um, and I'm like, hey, so, you know, we went up to lunch and I said, listen, I'm, I'm moving to Colorado. And I remember his initial, his initial reaction was like, awesome, good. Like, because I was, I, I was visibly like going through the very depressed time, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone knew it when I was going into work every day. And, um, Pete was just like, good, good. Like, and I was like, and, you know, obviously I'm leaving Misco and, you know, there's nothing at the time I was also being put up for like promotions and stuff. And, and that's when it all really hit me. Like I, there was nothing, you know, a year or two prior, um, Wait, hold on one second. Okay. Anyway, um, so I mean, for the year prior, like all I wanted was a promotion. Two years prior, all I wanted was a promotion. I wanted to be like, you know, just that's what I wanted. But then when everything hit the fan, man, like it didn't matter anymore. Right. Um. So that's why I was like on this do-or-die mission, man. Like, I was like, hey, I'm moving to Colorado. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can offer me that's going to make me stay. I'm leaving Pennsylvania. I have to, or I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Mm. And, uh, so a month later, they virtually came back to me like, hey, listen, no, you want to do your own thing, and, uh, but we don't want to lose you, and so we'll, we'll pay your work contract, you know, because you're, you want to do freelance and all that, and, you know, but we, we, we want to be like your first customer. I was like, sweet. <laughs> awesome. Uh, massive lifesaver. And that became like kind of what happened. And then June, I moved to Colorado. Wow. With Derek and Kyle in there. Dude, and the best part was like, I sold everything. I gave everything away. Um, I fit my entire life into uh, a five by eight trailer and my little Subaru Crosstrek that I had. And mm-hmm. I drove across the country with Matt Yetter. And <laughs> he, he drove with me. And I moved all my shit into uh, virtually, we used to joke about it, it was Kyle's boiler room. Oh. I lived like, dude, I lived in this room. I worked and lived out of this room underneath this kitchen. That, Like the room that I lived in, like didn't even have a ceiling. Like it was the kitchen floorboards. <laughs> You know, but I, dude, I thought I was living, I mean, to me, it was like, I was living in a mansion. Hmm. I couldn't believe it. Like, I was so, like, stoked. You know, I thought this was it. Like, I'm fucking stoked. I did it. And, uh, but that was only the beginning. But I, I knew that that was only the beginning. Like, I was, you know. You just got was, there. Right. Like, now I'm in Colorado, but now, dude, now there's the next step now. Like, go do the next thing. Yeah. But that was like my transition to Colorado in a in a long story because it, it, it kind of is complex. Damn, that's so nuts. Um, yeah, like I mean, I was in a serious relationship where I thought it was going in one place, and it all hit the ground. And, it, and I always say this, man. Like, there's and a lot of people agree to this is that you know, I mean, you really people failure to, to kind of to flip the the world upside down to get where you need to be. Like I. I needed this to happen in my life, so it pushed me mm-hmm. to to like to do this because I knew I, I always wanted to do this, you know. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, it just had to happen. But it, it came at like a, a very a, a large cost. But right, it was worth it. it. It was it was a lot. I mean, it was a lot of commitment and a lot of faith into moving back and believing in yourself, getting it all straightened out slowly right. but surely, and then actually initiating it. Exactly. And it was like, it was this big like risk. Like I was leaving everything. I, le- I mean, but it was all worth it. I was, I was hoping that everything I was giving it all up for was all going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. And, and it was my job to make it worth it, you know? Yeah. People see like refuge and just like the fact that they're going to move like, well, you know, I'm going to move across the country and I'm going to start this new life. But if you don't, like there were so many things that had to happen. You know, like I could have done the same shit I did in 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 Berks in Reading, Pennsylvania, in Colorado, and that would not have been worth it. You know, like there was going right. to be honeymoon days where, like, oh, I'm in a new place and it's great, but if you if you change nothing about yourself, I, you know, like there's no there's no reason in you sacrificing everything you did to move. So you're saying like you got to change yourself when you decide to move. I think it's an excellent start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I I use this analogy of, you know, there was a lot of things I needed to change. I wanted to change back about myself, not even change back, like change about myself, the way I reacted to things, the way I, I acted on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I um, and I just like the best way, like you know, I'm going to Colorado, but no one knows me. Right. They're not. They don't have this expectation of, of of me. Like so, I can change things about myself and the way I react to things now. Because, like, right. Okay. My analogy is that. Imagine you're a recovery alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you go, you get out of rehab, and you go back to the same fucking bar that you went to. Yeah. When you were an alcoholic, but you and you see all the locals there, and and. You're sitting there one night, and everyone's kind of pushing you to have a drink because they're like, "Hey, man, like, you know, you could have just have a drink, man. Like, who are you fooling? Who are you fooling, man? Like, you know, just don't just have a drink, dude. That person's more susceptible to, to relapse than someone than if that man like moved himself completely somewhere else and went to a new bar to sit there and just socialize and not drink, right? Or no, because like cause then those people at a new bar would be like, oh, that's you know, that's you know Joe. He doesn't he doesn't drink. You know, like hey, one. that's Joey. No drinks. Yeah, it's Joey. Yo, he, fuck, he doesn't drink. Yeah, <laughs> and you know that's that's seriously how it can be. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my take on that. Like, yeah. if you're moving, it's the the time. If you're going to change anything about your life, like that's the time to do it. Like it gives you a chance to kind of reinvent yourself a little bit. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Damn. And so now that you moved to Colorado, you're you're getting to ride a bunch more, and that's that is that probably when like the sh- the shredding starts happening, where you start like you've always been good, you know, you've always been like if you if you were to compare our riding, like your riding to my riding, you've always been like really good, like always like super good, but it seemed like I saw you know I we follow each other on Instagram and I started seeing like the stuff you post and it was like, 
I knew how high you could air back when we lived in Philly. Like I knew your like how generally how high you could air. And uh, when I started seeing these new Colorado pictures of you, I was like, "Fuck, that's Vazo!" Like, <laughs> like, like um, your level went up like uh, a couple notches. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it was, it was, um, it was kind of a like. You know, I went to Colorado and I was like, I'm going to be riding a lot more. Even though when I got back to riding after that one trip that I was in Colorado, I didn't ride much again. Like, I was riding still, like, I don't know, like, still maybe once every two weeks if I could. Mm-hmm. So, but I made it, I was like, when I move to Colorado, I'm going to be riding. I know that because it's everywhere. The weather's dope. I mean, there's the best skate parks in the world are there. Yeah. So, I knew that I would be riding more, but I didn't expect. I'll tell you what, I didn't expect my life to go in, into where it went. Like, I always, I just became very, it, it filled a void. I mean, I just, I rode a lot when I moved to Colorado because I could. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just kind of always, like, I don't know. It, it, I was not seeking to get better. Let's put it that way. It mm-hmm. just happened. Like, it just, it just, I was riding a lot. And I think it's probably mixed in with my attitude of, like, I'm just going to get fucking gnar because I ain't got nothing to lose, you know, like kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I, you know, without really knowing and, and also riding with Derek every day, Derek's an amazing bike rider. And I, Derek, Kyle and I all live together and we all kind of fed off each other. Yeah. Um, you know, it just it pushed, pushed you into that kind of a, into that level of riding, but I didn't even see it happening. Really. Like I, I noticed like, Oh, I'm getting more comfortable on my bike. Um, that's really great. But I didn't, you know, especially with the height factor, mm-hmm. like, like jumping things. Like I was, I, I did understand that I was starting to progress, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't see that as like a means to an end by any means. Right. But that all kind of came down when I got hurt in 2017. Oh. Uh. Um, because, I mean, as you know, um, or you might not know, it was like, you know, in 2017, I lacerated my liver. I was in. ICU. I was in the hospital for three days. No, I did not know this. Holy shit! Yeah. So I so in 2017, I fucking I ate shit um, pretty bad um, at an indoor park in Colorado. I mm. you know at this time I was I was riding a lot. I I was uh, I'd already been on like my first. I, I returned back to Austin. So 2017, I was like, hey, I'm just. I'm going to travel as much as I can. Um, cause why, why aren't I, you know, I can work from wherever I can, I can make it all happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's, that's what I did. And so January, I like, I booked a trip to Colorado. I was in, Col- I mean, sorry, to Austin. I was there for two weeks. And, um, so I just, I met, that's when I met Dan Caller. Mm-hmm. And, that was like kind of a surreal trip for me because I went there and I became very, uh, you know, when I moved to Colorado, I became very like lone wolf. Like I just, I like to ride by myself a lot unless it was with like the three people I liked riding with. And, but like, even when I traveled, I still kept to myself a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I'd, I'd always hit people up like, you know, very last minute. Um, but I remember I was in Austin, and I brought my bike, flew to Austin with my bike, and I was 
and and um I I remember I was like I I, I posted like a story on Instagram and I, I forget how this happened but like Daryl Taco he like messages me and he's like hey man you're in Austin like how long are you here for and I was like I'm here for like another week I think and uh he's like sick he's like um you know like a few of us are going riding tomorrow, like to a skate park in Pflugerville. If if you want to come, like I'll come pick you up. And I was like, yeah, like um, sweet, like that sounds good. And th- this was like the, the crazy. I remember like he picks me up. I'm like, holy shit, Daryl Tacos went out of his way to pick me up to go ride, right? Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, we're gonna go, we're gonna go meet up with. Uh, and I assumed we were going. So we, 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 anyway, we drive to Chase Hawk's house. <laughs> so like, we, we show up to Chase's house. We're, we're inside. We're just hanging out at his house. And Dan's there. And so it's just like Dan Caller, Chase Hawk, Daryl Taco, myself. <laughs> and we drive. Um, so, like, we drive then to an after Flukerville to ride the skate park all day. Like, skate park like all day we come back we like chill at chase's pool and you know it was just like the most insane day to me mm-hmm. and that's but that's like how i met uh chase and dan mm-hmm. and and as you know like obviously dan and i became very good friends a year later then <laughs> yeah. um but then but so also another very so this this trip was kind of like it's a pretty Mount trip for me, like a monumental trip, um, because the night before we went riding was the, my first date with my girlfriend that I, I live with now. Mm-hmm. So I met Tori, and then the next day I went riding with Daryl Chasen, and uh, wow! So that was kind of like a kicker for me. Like I was like, you know, like like ride like riding just all of a sudden took a very front seat again. Like I was very I was riding a lot, man. I got back to Colorado. I was riding more. I took another trip to Ohio, and then I visited home, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Reading, etc. I did, and then I. So what happened was I was riding a lot. Colorado is, is iffy around the winter. Like it's you can either be pretty mild, um, or it could be just like snowing and but like everyone rode the indoor skate park. Yeah, and all of a sudden, like. You know, like people started, I started to meet people mm-hmm. and at this indoor skate park and I was riding there a lot, just trying to keep on riding because I knew I, so I think I was, I got back from all my travels in March back to Colorado and April I was much chilling in Colorado and then May I was gone all of May. I was in Austin for two weeks again. I was going to be, um, back in Philadelphia again and then I was going to be back on another trip going from Colorado on a, in a car though like doing a road trip from Colorado down to Austin and then back right going through New Mexico and all that wow so that entire month I was supposed to be traveling with my bike like yeah. all BMX related trip and um so <sighs> April I'm I, you know I remember this one Friday I was I was like oh like I just want to get it in tonight like I just want to because Kyle and I would always like kind of party like on Friday nights like, yeah. hard <laughs> and uh, so I was like oh like I'm just going to get it in like I'm going to go over to the indoor park around 2 
and then just like ride for like an hour just to get in for the day and then I'm done with it. Um, so I, I remember I rode like I was already tired. Like I remember thinking to myself, I was already pretty tired and I went just to like fuck around. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, do some jibby, like, ice pick, like, you know, some coping dancing, mm-hmm. if you will. <laughs> and uh, and I went there, and Kyle shows, I remember I was about to leave, I was like, you know, doing my fist pound, like, on the way out, like, good meeting you, man, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm leaving, and as I'm leaving, Kyle's walking in. Huh. And he's like, oh, I thought you'd be here. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, all right, I'll stay here for, like, I'll stay for a little bit longer, right? Yeah. So, I was staying, I hung out, Kyle was, like, trying to, there was, like, this, it was a weird indoor park, but it had this pool, and there was, like, this hip that came out of it that was, like, super weird to hit. Yeah. But you kind of had to bomb this vert wall in the bowl to do it, and I was, I told him, I was like, oh, like, I'll show you how to do it real quick. I'll show you how to hit this, and, uh, I mean, that's the last thing I remember. I, I went up the vert wall, and that was the last thing I remember. I woke up pretty much... I mean, I guess I, I was unconscious for a bit, but I don't remember. I blacked out for most most part of that day. Wow. Um, I I pretty much, I guess I slipped going in. Like, my it was a very slick indoor skate park. Uh-huh. And when I was coming re-entry back into the vert wall, my front tire slid out, apparently, and I just went directly 12 feet flat. What? Yeah, and um, so... Kyle, thank God Kyle was there. I mean, because he brought me to the hospital. They were going to call an ambulance. But, like, I, they, they said, I, I mean, like, I got back up. Mm-hmm. I just was very, like, I was obviously uh, cussed. Like, I was asking, like, the same question, you know, every 30 seconds. Right. Um, and brought me to the hospital. They, they ran, put me through everything, man. They put me through the MRIs, the cat scans, et cetera. And, uh, the only thing I remember of that evening was the doctor coming back into the room and being like, so, uh, what do you think you did to yourself? <laughs> and I said, I said, uh, I was like, definitely concussed. Like definitely, definitely got a concussion. He's like, yep, you got that right. And, um, I said, maybe I, I broke a couple ribs and he goes, no, I go, I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> he goes, you, you, uh, you stage three out of five lacerated your liver. And, and so first that means like you put a, I put a, I hit the ground so hard. My liver opened up. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so they had to keep me in an intensive care unit that night. Like it was crazy. Like I couldn't, like it was, I didn't really know what was going on. Cause I, when he first said that, I was like, Oh, okay. Like, so I'm going home tonight? Like, okay, when am I going home? And he's like, no, no, no. Like, you're going to be here for maybe a week. And because we might have to operate, like, tonight on you. We, we were not really sure because um, you're internally bleeding. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Shit. And um, so they kept me in there, and I was healing up pretty quick. Thank God they didn't have to operate. Like, I, my liver was starting to, like, heal up pretty quickly. I mean, your liver is super... Um, one of the only organs in your body that can like you can cut off half your liver and it will almost regenerate itself like over the course of like six months wow you know so it thank god i started to um heal pretty quickly 
so they moved me out of ICU like the next day thank god like they mm. were like okay you're, you're off of ICU you're off of like death watch virtually um, and so you can go into like a normal room and uh, but so here the big thing for me was like they, they didn't want me eating just in case they had to operate on me at, at, at any given time wow so that day I didn't eat anything prior to that fall so I haven't eaten anything for like two or three days at this point. Holy so shit. So I'm like fucking hungry, dude. And they're like, no, like they kept, I remember my most frustrating aspect, like, like I was just like, man, when can I eat? Like, I'm just so fucking hungry. And, uh, but my entire time in there virtually, they didn't feed me. I was there for three days. Damn. They early discharged me. Um, and, but like, I didn't eat the entire time I was in there, but, so they were like, I had three different doctors, I had different surgeons that I, 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 I was with, and two of them were like, you're not doing any fucking travel. Because I had to be on an airplane in two days. Damn. And, Uh-oh. Yeah, so, but the one doctor was like, yeah, you can travel. And I was like, boom, traveling. So I took his word. He was like, just don't, like... I remember he had specific instructions like don't don't hit any speed bumps if you're driving in a car. Don't like cuz you could risk opening up your liver liver again. You know. Yeah. Um so virtually they discharged me. The next day I went to see my primary care doctor and then the next day I flew out to Austin for 2 weeks. Um did you ride on that trip? No, because they were like you can't ride for like 6 months. Wow. And I was like, okay. Uh, that's not going to happen, but I'll give it some time. And uh, that entire month, I didn't ride. Uh-huh. For I didn't ride for two months. I, I took two months off. I called my I called three surgeons. The three surgeons, two of them said, nope, no way. The one, of course, was like, hey, you can ride around if you want to. Just not do anything. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm getting on it. But it took me, like, some time to get back into it mentally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was really, dude, I was terrified to even air out of coping. Like, I was, it really, I was shaky. Like, I remember, I remember after some runs at skate parks, you know, I was distraught because I remember I was shaking. I was so scared. Wow. Just because, um, for the pure reason of, like, the last thing I remember was leaving, <laughs> leaving coping, and, and that was it. Like, I was just terrified, like, I was going to air out of something, and I was just going to wake up again in an ER. Wow. So that fucked with me for some time. So here comes in my, like, the jibbing side of BMX for me then. Yeah. That became me starting to be like, I'm going to start just, I'm just going to do tech stuff then. I'm going to do something I'm I'm not scared to do. Yeah. Um, And and so that's when I just started, like, just fucking around in places, just starting to do tech stuff. And, uh, and it's pretty cool because it, it made me strengthen the whole side of my riding that like I was kind of not doing a whole lot of mm-hmm. um, while I was able to kind of mentally get over um, and, and you know do the things that I needed you know wanted to do which was like be in the air and jump things again but I thought for a while like it was never going to happen again I was wow. like this is it you know what I mean like think about it like you're 30 years old and you know an injury like that happens to you and it's life changing right you know, my well, should I just keep doing this? Why am I doing this still? And I made a decision. I was like, no, like BMX is still very important to me. Yeah. Continue to do this. It's a, I love progressing in BMX. 
and it's I'm very passionate about it still. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let this because one of the nurses was like, "This is your fifth concussion," and I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Like maybe it's time you think about doing something else." And I was like, I didn't say anything, but I just remember thinking to myself, "No, like I'm I can't stop BMX riding. Like I can't." Yeah. Um. Wow. So it took me some time to really get back to 100. Even though I was riding still, I was. I was very, very timid for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it wasn't until that, as I said, probably my the trip that like was the 2017 or 2018. Yeah, 2018. I went to Austin for two months mm-hmm. last year, February. I wanted to. I was like, I remember one day it was it was just like snowing a bunch here in oh well, in Colorado, and I was like, fuck this, I'm leaving. Like I'm just gonna go to Austin. I'm stay with Tori for two months mm-hmm. and uh, that was like the changer for everything for me that was when I decided I was going to move to Austin which was unreal to me like I couldn't believe I was going to do it wow um, that's when I developed a relationship with Dan and like a lot of people like I love the Austin awesome mm-hmm. and and that during that trip was probably when I started to feel 100 again on my bike like I stopped being scared about airing stuff again mm-hmm. like I was you know that was finally it Wow. So when <clears throat> when I rode with you at the York Park, were you still getting your bearings back, or was that? I think when I was at York Park, I think I just when we we just rode. No, I was definitely like fine. I was one hundred percent. Okay. I just I just I just refused to ride the wind, and like if I'm not, I've one thing I've come to terms with too. By the way, is like you know when I was younger, I always felt like I had something to prove. Like you know, like. I gotta come to the skate park even if I'm not feeling it I gotta fucking you know do everything I can do uh-huh. whatever reason and if anything with with age and you know learning like I was I was like you know if I'm not feeling it if I, I took anything from that crash it was like if I'm not feeling it like you know I'm I'm not gonna push myself to, to, to do things you know what I mean yeah don't, yeah and it's funny because, like, as I was riding with people that, you know, were doing it for a living, you know, I, you know, like, that's how they all function. So, you know, like, I, in Colorado, is, I mean, Colorado is such a bizarre BMX scene, and, and I, you know, if anybody does listen to this from Colorado, that you're saying this, you know, it's, it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really socialize a lot in Colorado. I didn't ride with a lot of the BMX scene in Colorado. I was more... You know, I didn't, everyone was kind of like hungry out there to, to be something and to like these big sessions that everyone gets together and ride. It was just constantly like throw down tricks. And like, I was just like, I'm chilling. Like, I don't, I don't feel the need to show off or like, I don't owe anything to anybody. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't need to prove anything to anybody. Yeah. Everyone had something to prove. These like large, like I got to throw down all these maneuvers to show everybody up. And like, I just didn't like that. Mm-hmm. BMX jock standpoint of things that like some people had there and I was just didn't and it's funny because all these people in Colorado that like were you know no namers and then go to, to Austin where like I'm riding with like household names in BMX you know yeah. and these dudes are like I ride with some of these guys every day that like they don't sometimes we just don't do anything we go to a skate park we go to like a spot and like we just fuck around doing like manual challenges like <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah 
like we don't take it seriously every day like no one does yeah and that's why they are who they are it's funny like it's funny how you you learn that so if anything from those injuries i just i just i'm not feeling it if i'm feeling tired or like windy especially and like i'm just not feeling it i'm not i just i'm gonna chill like i'm just i'll wait for another day there's gonna be another day yeah um it's worth that than getting hurt for me because like that's you know that one day that i I decide like i i'm i need to just you know and there still are days like that like i where i'm like i shouldn't have been riding like that and i got away with it but it's not worth the time you're gonna have from an injury out because you, you you knew in your head that you shouldn't have been doing what you were doing yeah just not worth it like i'm not paid to be on my bmx bike so like i don't need to be throwing myself at things if i'm not feeling exactly so um and even the people that do get paid to do it aren't doing it like that exactly i mean i mean i get like i i can speak a lot about dan i mean dan it's funny like i don't i don't say this because like dan's one of my best friends but like Dan is literally one of the hardest working pros I know. Like, Dan is just the, such a pro, like a professional at what he does because he takes care of himself. He, you know, does everything he can, he can do to be the best for his sponsors, for, you know, the people that are helping him out, you know, and because he's, he's just personally just driven to progress and be the best he can be. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, when I, if I'm a kid and I'm looking up to pros, like, Dan's, I wish I was looking at, at somebody like Dan. You know, gotcha. Dan gets up every day. He's in the gym. He's eating well. He's he's not, like, living this lavish lifestyle or, like, this, like, I just wake up and I just I just shred, you know? Like, I like Dan works hard to keep, stay healthy, to, to do what he does. Right. Um, but, you know, but, yeah, like, it was it's just a weird thing that like is happening in Colorado <laughs> that like, I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with, but yeah. Um, and you, I, so your girlfriend's originally from, uh, Austin. That's right. She's born and raised. Yeah. She, uh, which is like super rare. And you guys like, went on your first date in Colorado. No, we went on our first date in Austin. Okay. Gotcha. Which is crazy. Like, we went on our first date at a winery that we eventually lived in an apartment that was like right across the street from. Wow. So, um, like Tori's like, like, I mean, there are people that are like, Oh, I'm born and raised in Austin, Texas, or I'm born and raised in Texas. Like, but I'm born and raised in like, in like Buda or I'm fucking, or I'm like somewhere North. They're like, Tori's like, Tori, like we live South Central Austin mm-hmm. now, like, which is a pretty, like we're, right off of like a lot of awesome like we're pretty close to downtown um and tori grew up like five minutes down the road wow so like she's genuinely austin born and raised um so when you moved down there she was able to show you around pretty pretty quick oh yeah like she knows everything um tori's literally like the best like i i really i can't i'm not just saying that like tori's just like if i can if i can some of Austin, Texas into a person, it's Tori. <laughs> like, Tori's entire demeanor is Austin. Like, just laid back, chilling, like, just fucking, just very open-minded about everything. She super cares about the planet. 
like she's just like mm-hmm. more so than I do. Like, Tori, <laughs> like for instance, like I recycle more than I've ever recycled in my life since Tori's been like in my life. <laughs> um, you know, Tori's just a, a great human being, I, and and it goes to show. Like, I mean, if I wouldn't have done any of this stuff with my life, I would never have met Tori. I wasn't out to look for Tori. I right. Out to look for anybody. Like, Tori was somebody I told her. This is like a part of our story when we met. Like, I mean, I was very like, I wouldn't go on more than like two dates with girls because I just I knew in my in my like for years after my last relationship, like like I just didn't. I knew I was not gonna do it again. Like, I just I just kind of accepted that like, not that like I was gonna be alone forever, but like I just accepted that, you know, like this is how it's gonna be, and like I'm fine with that. Like, love myself. I, I love my my life. I should say like I don't love my like self, but like I love my life enough. That, like I could be content with what I'm doing right now every day. Right. There, there's a, there's um, a satisfaction in, in contentment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met Tori and I was like very open about it. I was like, Hey, I'm from Colorado and, uh, like I'm just looking to have a good time. Like just to like, you know, you're local and like, just show me around. Like, I'm just here. Like, and it just blossomed into this relationship where like she would come, like if I was traveling to like California, like she'd come out, and she'd go on that trip with me, and, like, Tori just was exactly what I needed. She was super laid back, and just, we naturally just kind of became what we are now. Like, we didn't force feed anything. Mm-hmm. She'd come out and visit me, I'd come out and visit her, she'd go to on trips with me, if I went on a trip sometimes, and, like, it worked really well. Hell yeah, man, that's awesome. I'm glad that you found something that worked out for you. Yeah, I mean, I think I... I I urge everyone to kind of go out there and do the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like we said at the beginning of the podcast, you're riding more now than you ever have, and you're 32. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's like we're kind of bringing it to current day now. Like, I, I, I've been through a couple of stages where I kind of didn't think I would keep riding. Mm-hmm. And then i i talked about this with rafa a little bit in the last podcast like i grew up watching mike aiken think and thinking one day i'm gonna learn like a 360 one day i'm gonna like jump a jump like that at least or something you know like and and it's like i um i feel like some people quit riding because they feel satisfied with what they did like some people it comes so easy to them that they're kind of like oh that's what that's like i'm good yeah and uh for someone who's like i'm also 32 i'm gonna be 33 uh, in september and and it's like i've been riding for 20 years but i'm not done learning what i fucking what what made me want to pick up a bike i didn't learn yet no. Um, there's a certain barrier I feel like you gotta you kind of get through this for me it was like getting over like you know some people get stuck in their ways of like, like I have friends who just like if I if I can't go to a place and like blast airs or like fucking just jump big things I, what's what's the point of riding because they're just kind of like sacrificing like they're they're giving into their ego mm-hmm. like you say like Right. Like, man, just, like, go go fuck around and do something that, like, you know, you're not, you probably won't look good doing in front of a bunch of people. Like, just because you've been doing it for, you know, 20 years, you know, you might have to look dumb for a little bit and have some fun. Like, you're going to be fun. Exactly, like, yeah. Let your guard down. 
when I I, ha- I started having the most fun with BMX is when like I I stopped giving a shit mm-hmm. like I didn't care about looking like a dummy like trying to fuck around on a rail with a bunch of people because I can't shit on a rail and like that's fine like I that's that's why I'm having fun with BMX still right um because I'm I'm open to try things I mean shit just I don't know how many times, for instance, like, Dan tries to get me to do shit that, like, I know I can't do. <laughs> you know, like, and it's funny, like, sometimes they'll be like, dude, you got this. Like, just, just fuck, try it, just do this, and then it worked out, and now, like, because I do that, like, I'm like, how can I work that into my style of writing? You know? Yeah. Um, like, I love the, fe- like, learning. So, actually, so, just the other day, I learned, uh, like, those 180 smith like 180 to smith to like pressure whatever out yeah like, you know like and i'm like man i became like obsessed like how am i gonna work that into like a bull line or something how can i work that into something that i know now oh yeah so i'm always just kind of like shooting on that kind of stuff like I, you know like it's not every day that like i just i go to escape like for instance if i go to house park i'm every most people are expecting me i'm as everyone says, like, you're the bull guy. You're the smooth bull guy. Huh. And I'm like, but, like, there's a lot of times I go to, the, like, house park, and I don't even touch the bull. Like, I just fuck around on the ledges and rails and, the, and, like, the whole plaza area with everybody, you know? Yeah. Like, it's fun to, like, try something a thousand times until I get it. It's super gratifying. Um, yeah, because so, it took a whole different, it took a whole different class of skills to get that because it's not the usual. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so this opened up this whole tech side of me now that like I, I enjoy doing all this tech stuff that I mean always granted is cool now but like mm. it, it was very motivating to do because like I was always a guy that to this day I mean like if there's a bull man I, it's like moth to a flame I'm going to be at a bull mm-hmm. if there's a bull at a skate park I'm, you're going to find me in it probably because <laughs> this is what I want to be doing but I love a good like well-rounded skate park because I, I like to ride everything yeah now, what what would you say, I guess it's, it's probably what you said about Dan, like the kind of things that you can contribute, attribute to kind of keeping the rust off, even as someone who's approaching your mid-30s. Right. Like, like uh, I don't know if you listened to that one with my cousin, Mark, he's like soon going to, like he's approaching 40 and he's, he just picked up riding in his 30s. Uh-huh. And, and I've watched that. That's the other thing I wanted to say was like I've watched. <clears throat> once you've been riding for a while, you see people progress, and like I've watched Angus, this young kid, that local kid, progress from just doing Smith stalls on a ledge, like right past me, and doing like crazy, insane shit. Right. And and when you see somebody progress that fast, it's kind of like, wait a minute, I, I I still want some. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> totally. of it you know i mean yeah when i like so yesterday like a bunch of us went out riding like yesterday and we it's like everyone just kind of feeds off of one another and mm-hmm. it's sometimes like i'll see somebody do something accomplish what they wanted to do after trying it yeah you know and whether that's like you know a lot of people put shame on like instagram stuff but like i think it's cool to like have something to kind of um you know work towards like it's a it's a way to show off your your form of art uh yeah so if you're working hard for an instagram clip even if it's an instagram clip like so be it like 
Um, so I'll see people like try something a thousand times for an Instagram clip, right? Yeah. And, and to watch that go down and then them get it, it's like, man, I gotta get something now. Like, what could I? What can I do right now? Yeah. That I gotta push myself. You know, not necessarily like one up the other person, but like, how can I push myself to get something? Because I want that same feeling. Exactly. It's dangerous almost sometimes. Like sometimes, like I even like I'll get done a session and like I'll feel like fuck. I didn't. I don't really do anything. I was pretty stoked on like, but (laughs) you know, yeah. Um, Because I go through. I feel like periods of time where it's just like sometimes I go out and it's like every time I do it's like a progressive session where like holy shit I can't believe I did that or put that one together like yeah. Um, and other times you're just feeling like stale for a little bit for like a month or two and mm-hmm. I felt like I was I was like that probably like right right around the Spain trip recently mm-hmm. um, just because I got sick before the Spain trip I missed like a few days of that trip and I like had some higher expectations for myself um, you know and it right. just didn't work out and that's fine like I, I had a blast on the trip still it just and the trip wasn't about that. It was, you know, but it was just like, you know, it, you kind of get into these stale aspects and, you know, if you use it correctly, like use it as fuel to be like, you know, all right, I'm, I need to take some time off my bike. Maybe like, you know, I work out and stuff like that and like keep things on, keep on top of things and then come back to it and then it'll be fresh again, you mm-hmm. know, come back to the drawing board. Yeah. But there are certain in my thirties. I mean, <clears throat> it's important to top of diet nutrition for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, like I, there are, are things that I. So I will. I will say like the biggest life changing thing I did for myself in the past few years in Colorado was certainly intermittent fasting. I intermittent fast now like every day and like. You know, and they, they, there's proven studies, you know, that this is like, this slows down aging, you know, you know, it can, because of the stress that you're putting your body through is it helps it's positive stress. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, muscle recovery, all that kind of stuff has been like a lot better for me and effortless. You know, I went, you know, I used to go to a gym every day and now I, I never work out. And like, I, you know, it's, I feel like I get much more positive results just from like easy in like gym workouts riding more but like i i fast every day intermittently do you use a foam roller at all no no dan does Mm -hmm. i know dan does i don't do it i stretch every day i've been stretching every day for years but like gotcha i just try and keep limber um but i don't i don't foam roll at all gotcha that helps a lot of people yeah it it helps me out hard like super super good because like i used to get like if i ride like once a week yeah i and i try and go a little hard on that day i might be sore all week now if i go hard like that i'm like crazy sore i'm good to go by wednesday because i'm using the foam roller yeah i mean it's especially it's it is certainly hardest if you're riding like once if you're riding like once a week it's hard for your because your muscle recover and then it'll act to to what you were doing yeah, and then you give it that rest too much rest time, and then it takes it takes a toll. Um, but that's why I always urge like, when I was riding less, you know, during when I was dealing with winters, <laughs> I should say, uh, you know, I so I mean, even the, the two over two years that I was living in Colorado, when I had to deal with a little bit of the winter, yeah, um, 
I would make sure, you know, my, like there might have been a month before I left for the winter, because usually I just left. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd go somewhere and travel during the winter, but um, I I would just go to the gym. I would make sure to use do workouts that would exercise the muscles that I was not exercising during riding. Um, yeah. Running is really good for your legs, uh, your reactive muscles, your ankles, and your ligaments. Uh, and so I would do things like that, like, uh, you know, three or four times a week if I wasn't riding. Gotcha. So and my muscle memory was still there and I wasn't having as much recovery, even though it still didn't even prepare you sometimes for riding. Like, you'd still ride then for a day and be like, fuck. Yeah, depending um, what you do. Any, any trick could, could take a muscle. Exactly. Um, depend, I've had times that I, I tried, like, I tried this one line for like I swear to God it was like two hours and it involved like the, the first portion of it was like this manual 180 and just I remember like my left ass cheek because <laughs> that's the way I spun into yeah. it was like so sore for like three days because of like just spinning into my ass cheek for like two hours straight the one day you know <laughs> wow um but I, I urge like anybody in their older age to kind of, like exercise some kind of anti-aging thing. Mm. So, and, and also being plant like since I've gone vegan, mm-hmm. um, that's been a big helper actually. Somehow, like um, my 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 recovery time is a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I ride every day now, and I really feel like I rarely need like a time to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're like seasoned now. You have yourself. You went from fucking stressing out about engine blocks and working crazy hours to fucking riding every day and becoming like a shred machine. Well, thank you. I mean, I, 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 I don't think I ride with like gnarly motherfuckers that ground me pretty hard. But like, mm-hmm. I, I um. Yeah, it was a total life. Like, think about that. Like your entire life, you're to the East Coast. You know, think about it. Like when the first snow falls, you know, you're like, "Up, oh, that's it. That's gonna be it for like the next three months, four months." Now, like I'll be riding maybe like once a month, like at an indoor skate park. Yeah. Um. So exactly. So like now I ride all year round. You know, I mean. Yeah. So it, your body, like even even your. So like I I also said like my progressive like during that like little stint in january in spain like where i was feeling like not really progressed like not even not just not motivated as much to ride uh-huh. because like all you know like i'm used to this downtime with bmx you know you take three months off and you get back on your bike again you're like super motivated to get back on it again yeah you know it's it was weird like acclimating to that mm-hmm. for sure but um, but no doubt I, I, you know this. I never thought. I mean, I think about like being eighteen years old, and, and if you would have told me at eighteen years old you'd be living in a in, the, in a you know in a house with Derek Brower in Colorado mm-hmm. like in ten years, I would have been like, "Fuck you!" Like mm-hmm. no way, you know. If you would have told me, uh, you know, fucking that I'd be still riding at 32 every day in Austin, Texas, where I always wanted to move to and, like, be riding with some of the people that I fucking looked up to or still look up to every day, like, 
I'd be like, fuck you. Like, no way. Like, the, the, after this, like, that, there's no way that could have happened. But, like, <laughs> it's kind of crazy how it happened. And I feel super fortunate because it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for a lot of people in my life. I yeah. mean, um, I can't really, there's, there's a lot of, you know, I had to go to some personal things to do it. Like, there were some mm-hmm. definite, like, decisions I had to make. But, you know, if it wasn't for a lot of people, I wouldn't, you know, have gotten to go to Spain. Like, that was fucking surreal. Um, yeah, that is that crazy. Trip, like, never thought I'd go go to, like, another country, to Spain, stay with fucking j Rowe and, like, sleep in, like, a fucking flat with Daryl Taco and fucking Dan. And, you know, it's just, it was just crazy. Yeah. Like, I never thought that would, at 32 years old, you know? Like, this is when it happens. <laughs> like, I just, like, I was just so stoked. Like, I was totally dorking out. I mean... I remember Stu Johnson showed up and I was just like, holy fuck, Stu Johnson. You got to see Stu? Uh, dude, I, I ate every meal with Stu. No way. Because, like, like, Stu's vegan. Yeah. Vegan, vegetarian. So, like, Dan, Stu, and I, like, got breakfast and dinner every day while we were in Spain. <laughs> so, awesome. like, Stu and I got, like, we, we got to know each other pretty well. Because um, he was on the trip documenting for the X Games stuff. For oh, Dan. shit. So, he was, he flew in. Um, and Stu was like with us every single day I mean it was super fun like Spain was unreal it was such a cool trip um, I'm anxious to get back uh, probably probably go back try to go back ASAP um, mm-hmm. but because Jay lives there as you know and yeah I mean it's yeah it's, it's just crazy I love those guys were just here last night it was we all just like reminisced about all of it but those dudes are the, I mean you you worked for Kink yeah shit. you know those guys rule yeah the yeah Jay's cool as shit yeah um yeah um shit man is there uh what's the what's the future hold now that you now that you kinda got to what you needed to get to well I mean just more trips I'm gonna try I'm definitely I'm gonna do as many if would be cool is like you know I <laughs> Like, I'd love to be invited. If anybody's ever on a trip, like, invite me because I'm, I'm more open to go on trips. I still have, so, like, I'm, what am I doing? I, this year, I have scheduled, I'm going to be in Colorado, and I know I'm going to be back in Pennsylvania, and I'm going to be in Rochester. Oh, shit. Um, for, so, like, I'm, like, driving to Pennsylvania with Addie, my dog, mm-hmm. in June, or May, last week of May, going to a bachelor party in the Poconos. And then driving straight from the Poconos to the Rochester for a week, and then driving back to PA for a week, and then I'm driving back to Austin. And then July, I'm going to be in Colorado for like two weeks, doing like camping trips, you know, doing some. I can't, I can't wait to get back to Colorado actually and ride like some of my favorite parts when I was out there. I'm Damn. really going to like go back and see everybody, and uh, I'm pretty stoked on, on all that. But like, those are like my plans. I'm work wise, like too, like I so. One great thing that happened was Misco hired me back full time as an employee mm-hmm. uh, this year. So massive help with like healthcare and all that shit. Um, that was absolutely like amazing. I couldn't believe that happened that they because working freelance contract was kind of getting old. Like it cost a lot too to do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so when they hired me back, that was really cool. So now, that, so now you um, work at home for them. Yep. You know, like nothing like we, the agreement was like you know nothing changes it's just now I'm 
from salary, and I'm just, you know, it's it's pretty sick. So damn, you know, they were happy and things worked out over the past few years. So they were just like, why don't we were just gonna we'll just hire you back as a full time? It worked out. Hell yeah, um, dude. So I mean, just trying to do that, and maybe try and do some more trips this year because I have a bunch of time open. But you know, just continue to ride. Like I mean, I don't Fuck see yeah. it stopping anytime soon. So hell yeah. Um, where can where can people find find out more information about you if they want to keep up on uh, what you're doing? <laughs> uh, I guess Instagram. Okay. Uh, and uh, you know, John Bazo, D O N V O Z Z O. That's uh, I keep that pretty up to date. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, you can find. I have some work on cinemaclect.com, which I really haven't, I've neglected to update in quite some time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you can find me if you're in Austin. I mean, if you ever travel through Austin, you're probably going to run into me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, so thanks for having me on this, dude. Was, yeah. I'm stoked to, like, talk about this, and I've never really talked about this, like, in a whole I don't think about my life in the past. I think a lot of people wonder about like what happened. Mm-hmm. They're like, see my life. Like what, what's John doing? Like I have a lot of people being like, what are you doing now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's like, well, that it's a long story. So yeah, man. Spell it out. And uh, I'm stoked to everybody that supported me and the people that have had my back for this whole thing and the friends that I've had that stuck through it all. So hell yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do it. Um, definitely, um, we'll have to catch a session soon. Maybe we'll, maybe I'll talk to LA and we can plan a trip to Austin as well. Dude, do it. <laughs> you will not regret. We're gonna have to. We'll have to pull pull the finances in. <laughs> oh, dude, it, it, it won't dude, cost that much. I trust you. Yeah, if I didn't have to pay for braces, I'd be able to save up for a trip quick. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you got to put it on the old credit card, though. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you uh, calling in and letting me uh, shoot the shit with you. And uh, thank you, thank uh, you. Like I, I honestly, I'm stoked to be on this because I'm yeah. stoked on the whole different spokes podcast and everything that you've done so far with it. And obviously with the yeah, uh, everything you've done with the yeah, I, I talk quite a bit about um, <laughs> to everybody here too because everyone, I wear the shirts. Everyone's like, "This shit's sick, man!" Like we're gonna get it. And I tell them so. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thanks. It means a yeah, lot. Man. <laughs> Not a problem. Thank you for everything. So, no problem. All right. Well, I'll see you later, man. Keep the rubber side down. I know, man. You too, man. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Next week, I'm not sure what's going to happen. We'll see. Um, just also want to shout out something I've been doing for the past ten years: the Yeah BMX, the Yeah It's where you can go and find the best BMX pad set or at least as far as I'm concerned. I make the pad sets myself, and I try to make them as highest quality as possible. I got new ones coming out soon. Brace yourselves. Um, thanks again for everybody that supports Tia. I really, really appreciate it. It's just it's just me doing this here, you know. My girlfriend, Leanne, shout out to her. She helps me screen print the shirts as well. And uh, if there's any shirt designs that are too complicated for us, yes, of course, we outsource them because we don't want to we don't want to put out a poor quality product so we're only trying to put out the best quality we can so go to the get yourself a stem buddy buy your friend one too
be a real gentleman. Until next week, thanks again. Different Spokes.